0: On today's show, we are getting to know Emmanuel. But first, a word from today's sponsors. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire. Someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up on any social media. It's Andre Psyche. That's P-S-Y-C-H-E the next time you are looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Patreon.com helps creators like me earn a monthly income that will be put towards podcast expenses. Support the Getting to Know You Pod's creative endeavors through Patreon for as little as $2 a month. There are all sorts of costs that I had no fucking idea about associated with posting podcasts, not to mention the need for equipment and production. So dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests or just want to help keep the pod going, go to our Patreon. The links in the description and your support of the getting to know you pod is very much appreciated. Two bucks too much. Here are three free ways to help get your thumbs ready. One, push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. Did that? Thank you. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on your social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go ahead, open those apps, click away if you haven't already. Thanks again. Three, go to Apple, write a review. The internet tells me this might be the most important and impactful, so thank you. Your support, dear listener, whether it's with your thumbs, through our Patreon, or ideally both, is greatly appreciated. And now, getting to
1: know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to know Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. My
0: And Emmanuel, I found out, loves compliments on his voice. So thank you so much for blessing us with it, coming on the pod, and letting people get to know you, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, no problem, son. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, and so we we got to talking and then we were like, "Hey man, let's just kick it off." Um you had asked like, "I wonder why you kind of wanted me on the podcast. What was it about?" And I was going to tell you, I always feel like a schmuck cuz I don't <laughs> I don't remember. It's almost like I'm just like hoping somebody takes me home as the bar's closing. So if I if I go get lunch at like a bar, so I'll have a beer, And instead of just scrolling through social media, I scroll through when people comment. So I know you commented on something on Instagram. It was was Naval's, Naval's post. There it is, Naval. Yeah, and I know you have one of his in your feeds. I discovered him through Joe Rogan. So I'll go to different Instagram posts, look for people who comment. And then if they actually say something, I'll click on the profile. You're like, oh, this person is into podcast, into talking, into thinking, into whatever. I'll shoot them a message and just, you know, shoot or shoot hope that they reply so thank you for replying because it has to be weird right just getting this like message like hey man message you come on a podcast
1: yeah it was i'm not gonna lie it was pretty um pretty interesting and i was like i know if, like you were for real or if it was like or if it was like like a troll thing because i had posted a troll comment i was like um the false post was about aliens and um i i love anime and i was watching i i love I'm watching Dragon Ball Z. So I was just thinking about like how when the Saiyans came from Planet Namek to, well, Planet Vegeta to Planet Earth, like they have scouters and like the first human that they encountered was a, a shooter with a, what was this farmer with a pea shooter? And his power level was like five. So I was like, I was making a joke in reference to that. And I, then I saw your comment and later I saw your, your DM and I was like, I was looking to see if you had commented under any others like underneath Anybody else's comment? Yeah. I was like, oh man, I guess no one of us. I feel special now. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> let's
0: do it. Dude, so, and I don't know if it's a trade secret because I don't know if anyone else who goes about the podcast, hey, let me just try to get to know strangers thing like this. But that's something I discovered was, and not to like make people not feel special, but it comes off way more bot-like if I go to a post and I just hit everyone with a, hey, just message you, you want to be on my podcast? Hey, just message you, you want to be on my podcast? So I try to do one and dones, but I'll go to like 25 or 30 popular people's Instagram. So it's been like a switch up on my style. And now that you say that, I do think that's, not to like trick people to be like, Oh, I want you to feel special. Everyone is special. Right. (laughs) But I think that comes across more genuine where it's not like, again, to go to a bar reference, like, Hey, I've just hit on all 10 girls at the bar and you're the only one who answered, you know, like it was, I felt I was coming off a little creepy and too aggressive when it was like five people. Hey, come on my pod. Hey, come on my pod.
1: That's that's pretty interesting to say that about like you, could you count, like, how many DMs you sent out so far and like, your reply rate? Um,
0: I don't count because um, I don't want to feel that bad about myself. Like, I get rejected that often. <laughs> um, now, I'd say, like, if I send out 10, I'll get four people who are interested and then two to three where it works out for the um, schedule. Got it. Um, cause, so I'm a school teacher as well, and I, it's 8 o'clock here on the East Coast, so I'm not trying to... Unless it's summertime, I'm kind of tight with my time that I can record because I don't want to record for just like a half hour. I don't. I feel that's you gotta get past that awkwardness of talking to somebody to get to know them. So I like that extended form. Um, so I get pigeonholed to like right now the East Coast. I can get some people on the West Coast, but it's hard if it's their dinner time. You know, to I get see. them to lock in for a couple hours. Most people are trying to get stuff done in the evening. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say two to two to three if I shoot off ten. Some people reply and be like, "You're a bum, terrible." Like <laughs> you get a couple like people come back at you nasty, like quit trolling me. You're you're just looking for views or something. You're like, well, like I wouldn't mind views, but really, it's like that's the thing, or this is a setup. You're gonna sell me something, and it's like I, I know there's a link, but the link was more to like prove to you that it's legit. It's not
1: right, right. To, and I think that was great too. Like you yeah, have that social proof. And then you've been doing this for a long time. Um, I saw your number of episodes. I was pretty impressed. And then, um, having a soundbite and the audio on your post too, also, helped. it's like, okay, it is a preview of what, you know, I could be expected to get into. And then did additional links, like your, your call to action to Spotify, Apple music, et cetera. It was like, okay, it's like, I can get it. All right. I can vibe with this.
0: Yeah. Right. Like it's not, it, it's not a setup, you know, like that's my biggest <laughs> thing is like, how can you aggressively cold message, multiple people. I have like no idea where they are. And you're like, you're in Virginia, right?
1: Yeah, I'm in Virginia.
0: Yeah, which is really cool. So like we're regionally, we probably have some common interests, but I have no idea about that when I'm shooting messages off really, right? So it's like, how am I gonna try to connect with people that I have no idea where they're from, what they've been through, really who they are and get them to believe me enough to click on a couple, spend their time clicking on some things and then commit to give me a couple hours of their life. You know, like that's pretty, that's a, that's a lot to ask for um, a complete stranger, which is why I'm always grateful to like get to know people that they give up the time to just share their experiences, let other people who listen, get to know them and contribute to this like randomness of humanity.
1: <laughs> I think it's pretty interesting too. Like um, that's one thing that talks about that I'm um, going really to open up to like finding different people that align your interests uh, people that are just outside of box thinkers. And I think... Or you're doing, especially with with messaging and just having this this is building up this, this huge reservoir of tenacity, and it's like if you get you send out the, you send out these DMs and getting crazy comments, but you still you're still continuing with the process. I think it's pretty admirable because it's like it's like does it isn't. Yeah, you get a comment as someone says like you're a bum or something else that's like really out of pocket. It's like that that rubs off of you that's like that's like water slipping off of oil. I bet.
0: Yeah, somewhat. Sometimes, if like, it, it depends how much wine I've had. Sometimes, like, I'll want to go like back a little bit. If I'm like, tell me more about me being a bum. Or like every once in a while, I'll be like, I'll be like, is that my is that my contact name in your mom's phone? Like just old stupid jokes, you know. And then it gets horrible. But. Cause again, like at the same time, if you want to be like, and I feel like I'm a pretty nice guy, I'm a teacher, I'm a coach. I used to work like as a bartender and a waiter, you know, like I've always kind of been in like this people industry. So I I don't want to have like this social media screenshot of me just being a complete asshole to somebody who I don't know, you know, like that's, it's probably not good for my whatever quote unquote brand of like, Hey, come on my pod and let me talk to you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it, it just reminds me of, um, like, a, I'm probably about to, like, really just screw up his name. The same Nicholas Taleb, like, that that type of vibe of, like, kind of just, just letting your personality shine through, oh, even though, like, dance culture is just, like, well and real, but at the same time, I think it just makes you a great conversationalist just talking to a, a huge diverse and random array of people and then getting to know about their experiences. Like I said, like, you've been a bartender before you're you're a you're a teacher now and also a basketball coach I think is just it's like I, I love talking to people that are great conversations because the conversation can go anywhere and I struggle a lot with people skills early on so
0: huh.
1: when I was like 14 I I sought to like break out of my shell of being timid and being shy and um just starting to practice and just learning how to get better with with conversation and humor and in wits I think I feel like that's just
0: fuels the fire dude. It's becoming like that personal touch, lost art, man, with just snapchats and image posts and comments. And like you feel somebody likes you cause they click a little button. Like they don't, they don't like you, man. Like it's, they're maybe supporting you. You might've happened to pop up on their feed, but like, right. especially with kids like, Oh my God, I lost a friend. Like, you didn't really never had a friend (laughs) like they unfollowed me. It's like, I don't think they were ever really following you, man. Like if you walked away, would they follow you? If you cried, would they ask you what's wrong? Or would you have to be dramatic about something? Then they would make a post to like be worried about being called out about not doing it versus the genuine care towards what you're going through. You know? So I think that conversation and that interaction, um, with the more screens, at least around here that we're seeing with kids on, man, it's um, it. I, I think it'll become a lost art of just interaction. Learn how to vibe quick.
1: Yeah, I, it's unfortunate that we're heading that it too. Um, it, it's something that I sought to like really pull myself away from, like especially like from this from the masses, because it is crazy. Like, it, like you said, it, it's a it's really a lost art. Like you have the our. Our, like, human, human beings, our natural sense of communication, and, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, you have the algorithm. It's, like, it's, it's really screwing everything up, but also, it's, like, is it, it's just irreversible at this point? And do we just, um, seek to get better, you know, strengthen our, our skill set with, you know, one-on-one communication as best as we can? It's, it's really interesting.
0: It, so I have a daughter who's 12, and, um, We've gotten to the point in her life and she, she just got Snapchat like two days ago, right? And I'm like, I didn't wanna give in gradual release of like trusting on the phone, whatever. But she'll have a couple friends who come over. And now we've gotten to the point where she's like, I can hang with this friend for a couple hours if we're outside. But once we come inside, they get on their phone and then like they're talking to other people and I feel excluded. Or then she'll have friends that like, Oh, that was really nice. We were riding in the car and she got on her phone, but like she leaned into me or she showed me the screen or she was like playing the game. It was like, we were both interacting with the phone. Mm-hmm. And it's this whole like third world of dynamic of, can you be the friend when you get on the phone to use it to bring a group together or to isolate yourself within a group? Cause there's nothing wrong with like 10 people getting together and watching the TV, like like watching a movie, right? Like we we enjoy going Man. to the movies. We enjoy inviting people over and having a shared experience. But when the phones lead to individual experiences within a group, you, you're lonely. And then honestly, you feel like embarrassed as a person and you're like, fuck's wrong with me. <laughs> and like it weighs on your confidence. So it's interesting that even she has started to at 12 identify those friends that, are attached to those screens and removed attached to the screens and detached from people versus the friends that use the screen. to like, Oh, I could have her spend the night. Cause she wouldn't just sit on her phone for like three hours and like make me feel bad. And I'm like, wow, 12 years old.
1: Well, and your, your story, your anecdote reminds me of just being at a birthday a couple years back and everybody else is on their phones. Like we're waiting for, um, for the food to come in a restaurant. Everybody's on their phones. And I'm just like, are y'all all in the matrix? <laughs> where's the where's the humanity at? It's it's a weird
0: next time you go to the supermarket, man, and you're waiting in line. So every I we, we're big on self checkouts down here, and I do love me a self checkout. Hope nobody on hey. us? say again. Where are you based on of? Oh, Southern Delaware. Okay. So Southern Delaware near Rehoboth Beach would probably be the more the most like famous. It's a resort town. I'm a little more inland in Georgetown. But I like the self-checkout because what I can do is if I'm feeling cheap, I can get organic food and ring it up as regular food for like produce <laughs> and save like 6 $10 because I'm that guy. But if I have like, if the lines aren't too super long, I'll go in the line for the cashier because you know, I'm smart enough to realize like if I keep going self-checkout and I see these older people, they're probably counting on that income as a cashier and the less they're used, the less they're going to be on the schedule, blah, blah, blah. But if you look at the people who are waiting in line, just notice how many people can't stand in a supermarket and look around, or even look at the magazines that are there like national Enquirer. Like, I bet you it's 95% head down on the phone, not realizing they're in the way, not looking around, not walk by someone and just smile for no reason with a, with a mask on, with a mask off, just walk by them and smile and people will stop and they'll be like, wow, you know, where I feel like back in the day, it, you could just walk by people and you were just always making eye contact as you walked by them I and always kind of giving like a what's up head nod or just like a, Hey, how you doing? Holding doors for people kind of thing. Now <clears throat> you're like on your phone, you're not that aware and you're not looking to interact and meet strangers, man. It's, um, I don't know if it's me getting old, but it's like, that, that's the worry is like, are you aware of your environment? And, um, are you looking to make other people feel comfortable in the environment? Because if they feel connected to you, you're less likely to have something bad happen to you. Because people don't tend to hurt people they feel connected with.
1: Right. You're just spot on about that. Um even if you're just thinking about um like I guess I guess could say evolution. Uh everybody has their own, own debate and spin on it. I like to say from all angles, but um just us evolving from tribalism and groups and that just that need to be accepted in in a group and you know we, we can't survive alone we can't survive without each other we're social creatures by nature and um I was at the I think I was like at a food line two weeks ago which is our local grocery store and I I was buying a pomelo and I love I love grapefruit like I love I'm a very sour palate I'm attracted to sour foods and I was like I'm gonna try I'm gonna try a pomelo like I have never had one before it's like a grapefruit Fruit, but twice like 1.5x the size and it's 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 sweet bitter and sour so I'm like I'm just super excited about it <laughs> and I'm to the cashier and she's like oh is this great from like nas pomelo she's like what's what's that she's like I really don't like trying new fruits you know I just have you ever heard of star fruit?" And I was like yeah I love star fruit." and she was like what does it taste like I'm like it tastes similar to an apple but a bit a bit sour but not like a like green smith and um she's talking about how she's not like really into trying new foods and I'm like, I can't wait to dig into this. Like, I'm, I like, I like trying new things um, every now and then. And then, you know, I just asked what's her name and her name was Diane, you know, told her my name. And then she was like, yeah, next time you stop by, let me know how it tastes. It's like, wow. Like I can't remember the last time I've had, you know, such a spontaneous interaction like that with, with a stranger. Right. And now it's like, I want to come back and tell her all about my experience. You know, I put it it like
0: Yeah. It's like the old school bodega or something like that. Where like, you just had that one store on your block and the cashier, what's up, Fred? It's like a bartender, right? One dude who changed your oil. You knew he wouldn't screw you over. Cause you were going to see him all the time. Right. The cashier, mm-hmm. like it's that old school sense of community.
1: Right. It's it truly is a, truly is a lost art. That's hilarious. Funny how this plays out into the future too.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not smart enough to think about the future in that way. Is that how you got into, and I always called him Naval. I didn't realize it was Naval until like, <laughs> you know, like I think six months of like listening. To, I, I listened to, I think he'd been on two Joe Rogan, maybe just one Joe Rogan podcast. But I had to listen okay. to it several times and I still can't get a ton from it because it's just so dense. Like I always just look for, all right, man, what's my one takeaway that can almost be like a mantra to my life. And then as the dude just elaborates, it's like listening to Jordan Peterson. I'm just like, yeah. Oh my yeah. God, everything's <laughs> correct. And I'm like, I can't hold on to anything. I'm on a treadmill going 30 miles an hour and it's over. But like, is the Naval, is, is that the dude that got you thinking into these deep philosophical, what will the future hold type things? Or I was, I-
1: I wanna give of all, well, like partial credit, because I was already on that before um I found him and then before I found Jordan Peterson, Jordan B. Pierce, Dr. Jordan B. Pearson. Oh. Um but I think they they helped add add to it. I I feel like I'm i I'm an old like I feel like I was born in nineteen seventy eight, instead of nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> I've and I've I've read so many things like how that might that might happen. Like my mom had me she was thirty seven, so I was naturally around older people growing up and I never felt comfortable around people my age just because they were all just always doing something that felt like childish to me. And I was like, I really don't want to talk about this. Like y'all want to go party. Like I, I'd rather just like stay inside or go do an activity instead. Um, or just have, have like a one-on-one, you know, like deep conversation. And so I just naturally being around those people, I started, um, you know finding these these guys and their and women in their you know respective fields who speak on topics like these and like naval naval's a pretty dope guy i think one of my um my close friend clamont uh put me on to him while i was an intern at ibm and uh it was like this this thread this twitter thread that i've seen before and i always have this rule right like if i hear a book of a book once you know, it would just, like, sit, like, like soil. And then the next time I, I hear about it or read about it online, you know, the, the seed will get planted. And the next time I hear about it or somebody recommends it to me, like, that's when, like, it starts, the seed starts getting watered and it starts growing. And it's like, all right, I have to buy this book or I have to check out this article, tweet, whatever. So Naval, long story short, uh, Naval Ravikant put out this, um, this tweet storm back in i want to say like 2018 2017 about how to get rich uh without being lucky and it it was just a a very summarized uh version of his life experiences of um getting wealthy um strategically and not having to you know without scamming someone else without using like a pyramid scheme just by legit means and each methodology built on top of the other um, and so for example he talks about uh, using leverage to accomplish that whether it's you know if you know a code is it setting up you know selling software that can automate you know a process for somebody else um and if you can't code you know can, are you into media like can you can you record a podcast can you write books um can you um, it's, it's just using your skill set and leveraging that to, to create, sure. um, uh, me, income. No,
0: and, and I, the one thing that sucks about zoom is it's hard to do like the natural interjection. Cause there's like a little bit of lag. I always feel like I'm interrupting, but dude, that's the, that's where I get lost on him. Cause I feel like the images that he's now producing with it or someone's producing for him, my mind is blurred. Cause I remember this like star thing of like, do you want to be, Good at ninety nine things, or a specialist at one, because then ninety nine people will need you, or there was something like that, to which you're talking about, and I was wondering if you remembered that
1: <laughs> that is, random is, is thing that, that I terribly no, described. No, 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 because I I feel like I've seen that image before, because I think, um, in in his book, um, the Almanac of naval ravikant I think is this guy named Jack Butcher, which. He originally did the first illustrations for him, um, that, that summed up his his mantras and maxims into, you know, those illustrations like you're talking about, but now he has it like with that are moving. Yeah, I dude. feel like wants to do But in his book, oh and I I, I tend to go on tangents a lot. It's all right um, hard. but uh his book, the Almanac or Naval Ravikant, it's it's free. He made it he made it completely free for anybody to read. So like you can download a copy for free. Um if you don't have, like, a PDF reader or, or another reader, you can actually, like, like go on his website, Navalmanac.com, and, and read it. I chose to order books. I love physical, tangible things.
0: Yeah.
1: And I love, like, to mark it up with my highlighter and, and my pen and, like, scribble and um, little doodles and full pages. Right. It, I feel like it adds characters to the book.
0: Um, yeah, it's personalized, man. Like, dude, that, I think that's what got me through college and boring ass professors. To be honest with you, I shouldn't call them boring, but like I took them as boring because it was as they would go on. And I was, as I would try to stay in the, on the topic, I would just deep dive myself and I would just let the sections, I would guide my thinking and record my thinking in those sections. And it was interesting to like when i get bored the next time, flip back to be like, what was I thinking about on this? And like reflect on my reflections if that doesn't sound too snobby. But I, no, I don't, that I don't that think enough sense. people do that with like e-readers or just skimming through the New York Times on your phone or whatever like you do. You don't get to have that moment of like, intimacy <laughs> of, of um. pen onto paper penetration where it's like, you're joining your thoughts and almost your soul to this text. And it really shows that you've processed and considered it versus just swiping. It's like, you don't want to interact with a text like Tinder. You, you, want, to, you want to, you want to not make love to it, but like, you want to be into it. You want to enjoy that moment. With I, the I think it's making
1: love to it. It's yeah. just like you're wanting. <laughs> budding the, the um I, I forget what it's called create a new
0: thought you and the text coming together for a little baby a thought baby
1: yeah for sure <laughs> for sure i um i really got deep into my learning style about a couple years back and I, I was struggling i was i struggled with reading textbooks because i would read five pages and fall asleep in my bed with a terrible yeah. studying strategy um but uh i i learned that i took a test i could i took a few tests but i don't like i was a a very strong visual learner and then a kinesthetic learner second and then my auditory learning abilities weren't as high. Um, and I'm like, okay, like that makes sense. Like being visual and kinesthetic, I have to like touch and feel things and have the imagery, like you were talking about earlier and be able to blend those two together. And even when, when I hear things, it's like, all right, what does that mean to me?
0: Yeah. Cause your mind's probably going, man. So like, I, I think that people who are naturally inquisitive don't need your words. They need things to inquire. So if you're a teacher, your job is to control the, or set up the environment to stimulate your inquiry. And hopefully it's like bumper bowling where I guide you down the alley where some kids need, some kids need to hear how to think, Because they're more like organized and more methodical and formulaic in their thinking and they're more, what are the steps? And then they can repeat those steps and then maybe they can find like efficiency within those steps of wasted movement. But they need the structure to then like process the learning and it's something that people can really take for granted as teachers, man. So it's awesome that you learn that about yourself because dude, yeah, you reading words, that's just nothing but auditory. If you're not interacting with it, you with a highlighter, now it's kinesthetic because you get to control the words, you get to make things pop visually. And when you get distracted, you can go back to be like, why did I highlight that and get your mind right and get back on that train of thought.
1: You sound like the best teacher ever. (laughs) I wish. I, I, wish I, had, I wish I had like a teacher like you when I was in in um in in high school.
0: Dude, I could not deal with high schoolers. I don't want to get too about me, but I I look at high schoolers now with the phones and just the attitudes and the on-demand <laughs> nature. I can barely deal with 8th graders cuz they they are feeling themselves. You take a phone from <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm actually I'm a reading specialist. Um but I was a special education teacher. I've taught 5th through 8th grade bunch of different subjects, but do it, it, can get wild out there. Some of these kids are like, I ain't leaving. W- w- what do you mean? You're not leaving the class. Like a kid will be disruptive and you're like, you know, you give them the cues, you know, you stand by in proximity, they keep talking. So you squat down. You never want to stand above because that's an authoritative thing. You squat down, you empower the person. You're like, dude, you gotta be quiet. What are you always tell me to be quiet for, I don't need to be quiet. Wait, why don't you go in the hallway? I ain't leaving. I don't need to leave. And you're like, I'm a grown man in a tie as a teacher. And you're telling me you're not going to leave. I'm like, it gets to the point now where you're like, I don't know if it's a COVID like referber or what, but you're like, dude, you don't make me call like the principal or like the discipline dude to like snatch you out. Like, I can't say, I can't let you punk me in front of the class. (laughs) Like It's my class. Now we're in a power struggle. So how do I let you know I care about you? But at the end of the day, you're not winning kid. Like you've been... You've been told to get out, you're gonna get out. Or like you take a kid's cell phone and then you put it on your desk and then you go help some other kids. They'll walk over there and grab their cell phone back. And you're like, oh, what? Could you imagine <clears throat> your parents taking something from you and you just walk to their bedroom, grab it back and be like, nah, I'm gonna take my controller back. I'm gonna keep playing my games, mom.
1: I think I tried it successfully. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so anyway, all that to say, if that's happening, if that's happening at 14, I cannot imagine at 16 and 17, what a high school is like, man, and what those teachers are facing. Because it's just a, everybody's, individ- it's very hard to keep 28 kids who have been individualized with on-demand and their own profiles, their own brands, to now collectively focus at one time on one subject and think about one thing. It's a, um, it's a real struggle, man.
1: It really is. Wow. Oh. Oh. Well, yeah, it's, it seems like you're very in like, you you teach with a purpose to be to be engaging, and um, while, while some of our teachers are just like talking heads, and it's it sucks because there there are some times where like the talking heads I usually don't pay attention to or I'm, I try to like stink my phone out, just going back going back to high school thoughts and like those memories. But when it's engaging, it was fun. Like I found it fun like I actually don't pay attention.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering, were you, what were your grades like? Or what were your, like, report card comments like?
1: For sure. So, it, <laughs> a funny story, because um, my mom really pushed education, uh, like, like very hard on me. And it was just, you know, the, the way to, to, to get out, just growing up, like, right above the poverty line, it was, you know, her, and she's also a first-generation American, oh, it was, oh you know, her, her way of, you know, us... Um, you know achieving success in life and i'll blame i'll blame for that because that's how she grew up that's what she thought of us so for me like in middle school i had like a 4.0 gpa and then in high school i found out like that my gpa in middle school didn't actually matter and i was like Shh. no i'm saying no <laughs> middle schoolers listen to this podcast <laughs> wait, wait, are, you, are you
0: telling me my permanent following permanent Woo! <laughs> <laughs> that detention in sixth grade's not keeping me out of the Ivy League
1: stop oh man it definitely discouraged me because <laughs> I back then I had dreams going to MIT I wanted to be an inventor and after I found out like I was like really discouraged like what have I been trying hard for all these years and because I was her thing was like apply for scholarships and I'm like eighth grade going to ninth grade and it's like yo mom like they're me what my grades are in high school I'm not even in high school yet and it's just that once I unlocked that, I felt like I took the red pill at that exact moment in time. And I was like, what have I been doing this all this for? And so I really started to just really pull back and slack off. And we also moved around a lot, um, uh, just like different family situations and things like that of that nature. So I I was at four different high schools. And my, well, my GPA when I graduated was a 2.8. Nice. Also my favorite number, 28 is my favorite number. So pretty ironic how that happened. And um, I, my senior year, I stopped caring. I, I um, was really on the brink of being truant. I was showing up to class late. I was like, I'm just ready to be done.
0: Yeah. To kind of connect it to Naval, And I think this is the beef with most school systems is, and again, dude, like, you've aspirations of MIT. You said you were doing an internship with um, IBM. I think on your Instagram post, it was like, today's my last day at Microsoft. I've seen like a yeah. Bitcoin thing. there's college, but like <laughs> clearly, especially when you have parents who are like old heads and first generation in America, it's all about education. Older parents respect the process. If you move to a new country, you came here for opportunity. My kid's going to be at least A level and a half above of me. Like that's just that, that's the bare minimum of what you're going to do. But like school is made to have you conform and be in a box. Right. And like, that's the beef. How do we hold kids accountable? How do we embrace your creativity, but also show that you're progressing right. And meeting, meeting a standard. And it sucks that schools after all these years, haven't figured out how to have kids like you be like 4.0 kids and want to be in school and look at it and like have you in classes where I wanted to be an inventor. Why the hell is that not one of your encores? Oh dude, like, all right, man, take apart that computer. And by the end of the nine weeks, I just need you to figure something out out of that
1: role. It's it's, it's unfortunate because I found out, I found out like my last year of, of high school, like I, I took an IT class. And we actually got to you know like disassemble a computer, back together, and learn the building blocks of, of code. And I was like, you know, it's, it took me four years to find this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I right? should have been ninth grade yeah. year, dude. This is freshman oh, yeah. year. Y'all have had me. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's like also due, due to me moving to schools almost you know every year. It was like having that I was studying this. I really never got to plant my roots. And by the time I wanted to enroll you know, in a program, it was either like too late. Or I missed a deadline, or you know, it was for students in the previous grade who had to attend a prerequisite class in order to get into that class. So it was like it was like I was trying to put it together in my own curriculum, in in a way, Um, which is unfortunate. But you know, it's I, yeah, it it does suck. But it's like you know, how do we do it for the next generation to make sure that you know those students that are um, a little bit more on the creative side. and want to do their, their own thing, like how can you make sure they're engaged? Uh, which is, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like that's like a big elephant in the room. And also, I think like when I was looking for those scholarships, right, and it was asking me like what I wanted to do, being an entrepreneur, or being an inventor, when I was in eighth grade or ninth grade, it wasn't on a list of majors. Wow, and it, that's a pretty- Still isn't on a list of majors. So I was like, dang, like I felt like you know this system that I had, you know grown up on an education, like my dreams were were on that drop down list. It was like, wow, like I felt like I was excluded so I had to conform and find something else. Like for me it was it was IT. And um, it was like dang, what if there was something else out there?
0: Yeah, yeah, and what if you now have to waste two years of your life, your college and your finances in crude debt and then just to discover that's not what you like. Like that should not be the way we have 20, 21 year olds going into their prime in a successful country. We want 21 year olds feeling confident, being fit mentally and physically and go dominate, protect old heads like me, man. Right. I'm on the downside of the curve. I want some other people on the front line, making sure everything's right. You don't want them feeling saddled, feeling depressed, being dependent on things. You want them being empowered and being able to take risks, like emboldened. You know, it's, um, it really, it does, man. As I get older, I'm like, how is it has to be like some sort of money corruption thing where they just want to keep a system in place. Cause I'm like, how is no way it seems very simple.
1: It, it, it is. And it's, um, I forgot who, who mentioned it first, but for, from my perspective, I, I think you might see the same way too, or we might see differently. The, the education system is still built like, like a, like a Ford. Assembly line from the 1900s, where you know it's 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 you, you take like 28 kids, and, you know, stuff them in a the classroom, um, and you know you as a teacher you have to teach, and unfortunately, like your time or energy won't permit you to to really get to each student's individual needs throughout you know your like that their duration of the academic year, and it's 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 unfortunate. Um, and the system is still built like that today, uh, hopefully there's a reform soon. Dude, and dude just to, well, it
0: to emphasize that if you take 28 kids in a 60 minute class, maximum, you're getting two minutes of individual attention. <sighs> Think about that, right? Like that's two minutes a day of individual attention from a teacher. That's an expert. That, that's terrible. Like a- re- a- two a- minutes a day, a week, that's 10 minutes. You're in school for 180, 180 days, 360 minutes. How many hours is that? Six hours. Your kid has gotten six hours of face-to-face feedback if a teacher is bouncing to every kid and giving them a, a consistent two minutes. Like, oh, think about that. Six hours, dude. Six hours in one class. That's how much. Now, you can get feedback maybe through papers, right, or comments or assignments and grades, but where's the connection, the interaction, the, oh, dude, I know this is your goal. You're into computers, computer. So now as I explain to you metaphors and similes, I'm gonna try to use hard drives and RAMs versus three-point lines and slam dunks, you know, because I know that's what you'll be able to connect it with, and then I can challenge you to. Every character in this book is a computer, or every character in this book has to be a computer part. That's your essay. Go.
1: That stimulates the mind and gets gets those gears going. Right? It's such a different way than yeah, man. And other than left otherwise untouched.
0: Yeah, no, it it really is the flaw and. Um, I feel like I'm very blessed to make the money that I make. I have a, you know, I have graduate degrees, so I'm on the upper middle class spectrum of educators, but dude, I mean like who wants to go to school for four years to make 40 grand despite working in 189 or 190 days a year. Like I get it. You get a lot of days off the schedule is great. The benefits are pretty good. There's no upward mobility. There's no, there's no incentive for me to outperform my contract. Because if I'm terrible or if I'm awesome, I get the same pay. If all my kids meet the standard or if none of my kids meet the standard, I get my paycheck. So I I don't know if that's a terrible way to look at it, but like there's no monetary incentive for me to work harder. It has to be completely intrinsic. I have to care about you and I have to care about strangers every year. Every year basically teachers have to care in the middle school of a hundred new kids. A hundred new kids (laughs) every year, they have to care about their success in order for them to reach them. Because there is no outside incentive other than maybe a negative, like negative publicity or negative perception of them. And if they want to avoid that, they'll kind of work. But the true connection to empower someone like you, it's almost impossible in the system, man. High school is even worse, dude. It's more than 100 kids they see in a year. And they got to reconnect, you know, like it's not set up to soil, flourish, trim, you know, garner in. Sometimes you gotta build fences around for flowers to grow, right? Well, what's the green stuff yeah. that like tomato vines have to get up on? Like there's, it's just too much for someone to do with 150 kids when you got two minutes a period.
1: <laughs> I, I wish, you know, teachers were paid more cause I feel like it's a very tough job and I can't imagine like taking one of those different types of energies and, you know, staying back late with parent-teacher conferences. Or worry about, you know, as well being, you know, if her, if her, you know, home life is, isn't well, um, yeah, and that's it's... something additional when you plate that you have to be concerned of it is that, that's like a huge mental toll.
0: Yeah. Well, don't you want like the, just the financial incentive, shouldn't people grow up to want to be like, like, shouldn't you? And, I, and, I, and maybe eventually we'll get into actually getting to know you. I feel like we just got philosophical, but like so <laughs> someone like you, you should go out there, you should kick ass. And then when you're like 45, 50 and you've sold a company or something, you should want to come back and you should want to pass that on to propel our society forward. And you should want to grab 10 or 15 years of teaching and helping in some way. But there's got to be an incentive you're like why why do we make it difficult and why do we have the pay structure to not encourage people to teach it, it's basically encouraged for whoever is going to be in charge of the children to be on the same schedule while the children are in school so that you have benefits and that you can get your children to whatever activities there are typically it's a mom right and it's like wh- why do we have that structure why can't we have people wanting leaving high school being like, I want to be a teacher because I can have a great life. Like, it doesn't, it's not there, man. And that's weird to me because they, they shape, they build your tax brackets. <laughs> like, they build society's tax brackets for the government.
1: Well, and I can just imagine, like, the teachers that come in just for just for a job or just a coast, and, you know, the ones that are just, like, don't really care. And it's just it because it has a, you know, it has an indirect and direct effect on the kids. And then they grow up, like I said, like, that's, that's the next generation. The ones that you're teaching her are the next generation. And, you know, a positive impact could change that child's trajectory or a negative impact could do the inverse. And it's like, if a teacher's there for, for the wrong reasons or isn't, you know, isn't financially compensated, you know, well enough, they, they might not, you know, be, like you said, like, really care. Is like, dang, the system is is rigged.
0: Well, yeah, they won't put the time into thinking about how can I engage a kid like you. They'll put the time into what can I get that's easiest for you to do. It's not about engagement. It's about production, which goes back to your forward assembly line theory. I need you to produce so much on timed intervals in order to deem you competent. That's your grade. <laughs> and when you break it down, you're like, that fuck, man, that's true. I am supposed to do like what? one worksheet a night or i do need to finish 8 problems within 20 minutes and i'm a good student i'm a good worker and you're like ah it feels icky it feels icky when you say it that way but like that's a lot of it and if you had more pay and if you encouraged more creative like production value within teaching people you would be like what man, I'll spend a little bit more of my money to go buy this because I think it'll make it more engaging because I have that money and that's expected and there's other people who want my job so I better be good. Kids better want to come to school or else I could lose my job.
1: Wow. Oh man. I feel like that's why I really, um, I really resonate with Naval a lot and from what I read in his his book, um, The, The... I'm gonna come to because it's like I feel like it's a condensed version in a version for today's age of you ever read Mastery by Robert Greene? It's like, it's like that for, for for this this decade that we're in now. And I feel like the, the timing of it couldn't have been better. Um, it really extrapolates upon its principles of building wealth and really just getting getting paid off of being creative and using your creative abilities. it's like, wow, like I wish I had read this book. I, I loved I have a very sweet relationship with college. I, I love um, the college I went to, North State University. Great community. I love the people there. Like, I feel like I learned more from people than I did from the actual, um, like, the, the class I went to themselves. Like, I learned more from people in the network that I made and painstakingly, you know, grew um, informed and the bonds that I, that I still cherish to this day. That taught me a lot in, like, the, the, I feel like that book is like a great compliment to it. Um of just helping to bring out, you know, our own unique indiv- uh, like abilities and talents and, and endeav- endeavors. And how can we use that to taste today's society without having that old school, you know, um, assembly line model where it's, you know, you're just putting the time in um, for, for work and for pay instead of, you know, leveraging your creative abilities. Cause I feel like that's, that, that's that's what we should be we should all should be aiming for. But again, it's like you know, schools you know get paid from from tax dollars from the government, and it's like it's it's like how do how do ordinary citizens intervene? Do I just say, oh, I'm not going to pay my taxes because I want to I'm going to stand for for something else? Teachers should be teaching another curriculum. I, I don't know how to go about that.
0: Yeah, it's and. I'm not a super expert, but it's almost to me like big pharma. And I have not (laughs) dove, I have not dove into it, but I do know federal funding. In Delaware at least, it's two-thirds of the um, or the state is two-thirds of your the state is two-thirds of my salary, local is one-third of my salary as far as the tax base, but the state gets a lot of money from federal funding, right? So the state makes the two thirds of my salary from federal funding. Well, how do federal funding, how does federal funding come? It comes from standardized tests and it comes from directives from the department of education. Well, who gets in the department of education, people who are appointed. Well, who puts those people appointed in there? The people who get elected, how do people get elected? They get, commercials. Well, how do you get commercials and how do you get votes? You get lobbyists. Well, if I give you a million dollars, man, I want to make sure that if you appoint that person that Delaware gives this test that my corporation makes and hires and blah, blah. blah. And like even me just explaining it, it's nine layers to keep stacked and it's overwhelming to track. You start to sound like a fucking conspiracy theorist, but that's how it works. And that's why like Things are the way they are because you got 100 senators, what, 436 House of Representatives, 430-ish representatives who are all paid to make stuff happen. And people pay them and big industries pay them because it costs so much to get elected, to be in those power positions. And you're, you're kind of foolish to think that that doesn't have some sway on the educational system. Cause it needs to be a product. Something needs to be consumed and what's consumed right now. are tests, it, our curriculum, certain products get bought and given to kids. And that's with a lot of financial persuasion. <laughs> it's,
1: well, it's, 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 it's a big it's, business, it's man. Bad. Yeah. Just as you explain that I can, I can visually see it. Just all those layers, just daisy chained together. It's like, yo, it's, it's time for a reform. Yeah,
0: I, yeah, I, it's, I don't, yeah. Right. But that's the weird thing. It's like, what would be the reform? Right. So if you know, that's the issue and what are, and maybe you would know, I almost want to Google it, but I hate being rude. Um, it's, Naval basically like whittles life down to three things, right? Like mental health, physical health and hobbies or something. It, do you know
1: what I'm talking about? Mental health, physical health. I feel like wealth or happiness might be the third,
0: It comes with like being dependent, right? Like if you're independent, you're not dependent on people. So it, see, this is what two dudes and you've done a way better job than I have of remembering everything. But like, this is what happens when you take a dude like that, who's boiled it down and I can't, cause it's so much, I can't even remember the three things. But like, I I try to apply those principles of physical health. Well, if that's what makes a good life, that's what kids should be doing. How come they, how come we stop recess at the age of 12 when they're going through puberty and they're eating like crazy. And then we make them more sedentary, which leads to obesity. What's that about? How come they're not out there playing? Right? So now mental health, how come we're not encouraging them to take creative risks and build? Why are we making them feel terrible about themselves by giving them national metrics from everywhere where we know that's not really fair for you to compare yourself to someone from Northern California, different environments, different upbringings, different points of emphasis. Right. So like that, that, if we took those two, I'm gonna have to look up the third one because <laughs> it's driving me nuts. But like, <laughs> why can't we base some basic principles and just come to an agreement of this is what we want school to be.
1: Yeah. I feel like we could change it. I feel like the world would be a better place and um, more, more of our youth would, they, they wouldn't be as troubled. They would have been taking these, these um financially, you know, Unnecessary risks, like going to college without knowing what to win a major in, or um, in a major that, like, they're they're pressured into from from their families um, just to make you know a high salary, or just to pick because that's the next you know that's the next conveyor belt in line from the from the assembly line. Um, it's yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, somewhat of a kind of a side Google of Naval. I think I called him Naval like three times. You're so much better at giving people respect. You were like Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. Like, and I I just fucking fling it off. It was um, physical, mental, and happiness for like, those are the three almost like pillars of life um, on a quick Google. But that makes sense. Like, don't you want a kid happy? To me, like you would want a kid happy coming to your class. You'd want them mentally stimulated and challenged. And you want them physically exerting because people feel better after they've physically done something. I don't know what it is, whether it's the tribe in us, the hunter in us, the whatever it is. But like basketball coach in me, basic thing, like you have a kid do 10 pushups and like they start putting their chest out a little bit. You know, they start feeling like they're swollen. You're like, it's nothing. But at the same time, they're like, I did that. I accomplished that. You know, it, it's it's weird, man. It's a but those those would be the three tenants that I every decision that somebody came to me if I was in charge of a school. How does that make kids happier? How does that stimulate kids mentally? How does that get them physical? If you can't tell me, improve.
1: That would improve so many things. I feel like it would like reduce, you know, the, the school shootings um, like nationwide. And I feel like the, if these things were addressed, it just could be it'd be so much better for society. And even on um, your experience as a basketball coach, like, I remember I <laughs> I was uh, the manager for, uh, on my basketball team in seventh grade. Most and important
0: was- person on the team, man. Managers, <laughs> super overlooked. Were you the camera dude, the book dude? Did you have to go you know, to every I, I practice was, I was a camera the dude. equipment? You know,
1: I, I had the Bible. I was a book dude, too. That's yeah. what my coach called it. His name was Mr. Thompson. Um, and, um, I, yeah, I was not physically – physically there, I cannot run to the baseline, to the baseline like the other guys could. Then I understand that other guy's I had, it's like, all oh, this is just what it is. And what I learned from being a manager, especially, I was manager twice in middle school and high school. In middle school, um, I think, yeah, I, I was like, in, in our PE class, um, Mr. Thompson let me slide with doing pushups in front of the whole class. And I couldn't do a single pushup. And then in, an, in seventh grade and eighth grade, we had a different PE teacher, uh, so it wasn't my basketball coach anymore. It was just, it's, it was another coach, coach women's basketball, and we had to in front of the whole class. That there was no for me escaping, or something run away. Like I I didn't have, I wasn't like we well, weren't cool like that. So I had to in front of the whole class. Remember, I couldn't do a single. I could barely do half a push up, and that amount of embarrassment, like it it was like public humiliation, like torture. I, I think I had prayed that weekend before I was like, God, like, please let me do these push-ups. And I just prayed my way through. <laughs> that Monday, like I didn't have a push-up and fell, and I was like, time just froze. And I'm like, oh my God. Like I just want I want to off myself right now. <laughs> and I heard like these kids making other comments. And it was like, yo, know, like, what was that? And, it, and the whole room was just silent. And like, I just wanted to off myself. But in high school. That that next year in ninth grade, I'd I practiced doing incline pushups to build up like my biceps um, on the stairs, and I'd start doing decline pushups, And I busted out 30 in front of the whole class. And I was like, yo, I feel great. Like I I will never get caught lacking again.
0: <laughs> that's dude, that's the balance, right? And people like the loser culture, right? Oh, we don't want kids to feel bad. And it's like, I think you kind of do want kids to feel bad about certain things because it can encourage growth and change because it's discomfort. And do you stay in discomfort? Most likely not. Most likely if you have an opportunity and you're made of aware of how to escape discomfort, what do most people do? They try to escape discomfort. Like you had brought up about like education, trying to get, you were right at that poverty line, right? I grew up in a trailer park. I'm on food stamps. You know, my mom's car gets repossessed. I got five t-shirts, you know, I'm getting made fun of. I'm the Monday. Oh, it's Monday. Sean in his Reebok t-shirt type shit, you know? And like, you know, you know what I said? I was like, fuck if I'm gonna grow up as the five t-shirt guy, I'm gonna make sure I got clothes. I'm gonna find a means. Right. And like, The discomfort encourages you to productivity to avoid. And I guess productivity is a byproduct, but like on your way to avoiding the discomfort, you start producing and you start gaining confidence because you've grown. And I, I don't know how to like scale that on a, because that's what everybody's about. Like you scale solutions, but so why? when you felt like you wanted to off yourself, was it super serious or did you just know, was it like, fuck man, let me just start doing some push-ups so I don't get embarrassed.
1: It was like, I was just faking my way through and I, I had bullshitted in seventh grade, got away with the, um, like the annual, like, you know, like fitness assessment challenges. And, um, it was like, I was putting off this like cool demeanor and it was like, I, it was like, I was just, just made a class and just, this this tiny little pebble just shattered like my whole class ego that I was building up. Um and it was like, yo, like it's it's not gonna work like being being gilded, being hollow, like, nah, you got you I gotta put in the work now. And um I it's like I'm glad I went through that early because it taught me later in life like I can't some things I just really just can't front off. Yeah. And and, you know, talk about, but not really have the, 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 back to, to walk it. Substance, and I really didn't pay attention in, um, in basketball practice. I, I wasn't very intensive. And it was like, I thought like that's why I was put as a manager too, even though like my, my um, physical skills were were below like suboptimal, but I really wasn't paying attention. Like I was making jokes, cracking jokes and things like that. Cause I, I wasn't responsible. As soon as that responsibility hit me, it's like, whoa, well, I really gotta own this and I, I just can't get caught lacking next time. Like I because otherwise I'm gonna feel that pain, discomfort again. So like you said, like I gotta own this and be that that byproduct was, you know, just getting better. Um and then I think when I was in my well, second time I was a manager in, in high school in tenth grade, at a different high school, I um I really that that's when I was like I really got to see guys play and it was, it was varsity varsity level at 10th grade. And, um, being around those older kids is my, my coach used to always say like, you know, you, we, we practice how we play and he was, he would coach at like a, at a, at a college freshman level, um, um, in intensity. And so like practice practice was, was what I saw them like, I was like, yo, this, this practice like looks like hell for them. But he would always say, like, the proof is in the pudding. And then that's never, that's never left me. Yeah,
0: th- I, that's a saying I've never gotten, though. I've always believed in it. Like, what does that mean, proof is in the pudding? Like, I used real milk. Like, it was real chocolate. So when I eat the pudding, <laughs> it's like, okay, these, this, this was from Hershey bars versus, like, that's the powdered, like, food line brand of chocolate um, mix well, and well, water. I'm
1: saying, putting myself back in his shoes, I feel like. It's it's you know like guys would try to show off on game day, right? Yeah. Like going going for a crazy alley oop or a crazy dunk, but if they didn't if they didn't like try those things or practice those things during practice time, you know it would it wouldn't work or it would just be you know a complete disaster. Like if there's you know if there's if, we're, if it's like fourth quarter and the game is tied and the player wants to do something like flashy, you know we we lost the game because. That, that player, you know, wanted to try something, you know, just off. just, just something they hadn't practiced before. Yeah. Or something, some muscle, muscle that you hadn't really worked out. So him saying the proof is in the pudding, Um, I think it's just like the, the reps and sets of doing.
0: Oh dude, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Like I get it, but I don't under, when I just break it down, I don't understand how that became like a <laughs> saying, like what did. So like the hateful eight, you go around, you're like, oh, is this mini stew, right? And like people had this distinct style. So I'm like, did that saying come across? Cause like people really looked forward to pudding and they were constantly getting like screwed over, like getting sold cheap pudding for quality pudding price. And they were like, no, the proof is in the pudding. Look at this thick pudding. That means I push. so it's like worth $2 for the, you know, like that's why I'm like, why do we still use that? It has to be one of the oldest phrases. In the world, who looks at pudding for like proof of what? That's quality. That that's it. Like, but you say it, and most people are like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I got it." But then when you break it down, you're like, "Do you get it? Like, what what am I saying? The proof is in the pudding." That's a good question. That's real fruit. It's fruit pudding. Like I, I, I don't. <laughs> sorry, but like that is. That's like, <laughs> Uh, every once in a while, man, like being an ELA teacher, we talk about like figurative language all the time. And it's like, sometimes you look at sayings like it's raining cats and dogs. Why do we, why do we compare large raindrops to cats and dogs? Like at what point in life, wouldn't it like biblically make more sense to do something that Moses went through? plague? like it's raining toads and frogs. That That's just as like, it's just as like um, rhythmic and it's contextualized to a biblical story. So that makes sense. Like whenever were cats and dogs raining and how are raindrops that large? And why does that mean a lot of rain? Like it,
1: I don't know. Sorry. It's a good question. It's just random tangent. I, I love, as I got older, I just realized how much I love figurative language. And I feel like that's what's got me to become a writer. Cause I was, um, when I was, what, ten, almost 10 years ago, when I first had surgery on my vocal cords, I, I stopped talking. This is right in the transition between eighth grade and ninth grade. And I, I really stopped, stopped talking because of, you know, the new way that my, my voice sounded, it sounded super raspy. Nobody could understand me for the first three months. Um, every time I try to talk, like, I would get publicly embarrassed, like, talk, try and talk to a girl, oh, and she had to say, weird. what, four times, or am I faking, or are you sick? Even, like, talking in class, and the teacher I'll never forget, like a teacher had asked me, like, what three times, and she just says, like, stop, you know, stop joking around. Is like, damn, like, came back home crying. I was like, yo, I don't even want to talk anymore. And I think <laughs> uh, over time, I got to build over thick, layer of thick skin, which talked about before we started recording. And um, I think as a byproduct from that, not talking as much, I started reading more. I really got started reading more. I started reading a lot of books more. I felt like I finally started. The ability 14 years old to just really just think for myself. Um, I feel like I, I took that red pill early and broke out of like that, that mold that society tries to you know put on on kids and young adults, um, and even some adults at this age. And we just wanted how to start thinking for myself. Um really try to like just unlearn everything I had been taught growing up. I feel like that's why my grades kind of slid too, because I was just uninterested Um, and I just got more engaged in this other philosophical, you know, ways of teaching, like started reading, um, you know, different teachings from, from like the Stoics. Like guys like Marcus Aurelius and Confucius early on. And even though sometimes I would understand what it meant, but sometimes like I really, it took a little bit longer to digest. It was just me just absorbing this content and just learning how to just be independent thinker. Um which I feel like like is just slowly slowly just nurtured my love for writing and figurative language. And then when I got in college, I was like, wow, like I feel like I've been really emotionally unavailable these past couple of years. I want to learn how to stir start emotions too. I want to be able to stir emotions. and. Is that, can I, sorry not,
0: to cut you off, man, but cause I'm a <laughs> super, I've actually had a dude who was an MMA fighter and, um, he was big into stoicism and he tried to like break it down to me and it's basically, and correct me if I'm wrong, like the detachment of all emotion and making decisions out of pure logic basically, or am I wrong about that?
1: I, I think that's a great, like, I think that's a great way to, like a great to high gender-wise. level um, statement of what stoicism <laughs> is.
0: And like you bought into that early on. Is that part of why you felt like detached? Cause you just became super pragmatic, logical, fuck the emotions, the personality, what is the formula type guy? Type yeah, kid? that was
1: me at 14, 15 years old.
0: Stop, 14, 15? Yeah, 14, 15. How do you get there with hormones, man, and testosterone?
1: Who is, who is, um... I think it's like that That drive, like, something is not right here. Like, this, mm. the sky is falling. Like, nobody else sees it, but I see it. And I'm on a mission to try to find out something that... You know is 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 wrong here Gosh. and um it was like i i just became thirsty for for just knowledge and um for just people that like thought the way i did and and by i found you know guys like robert green early on uh through those through his methods um i get like like just, just these ancient wisdoms you know in ancient ways of of teaching and um those, those schools of thought like i was I, I was high off of that and I really it was hard because I really couldn't explain it to anybody else I felt like it was like this this forbidden you know like forbidden fruit and I didn't know nobody else really knew about it outside of like in my immediate you know um degrees of was it degrees of uh where's not coming to me today not I- but in, in my you well know, Network it at that time, being a teenager, it just nobody else seemed to know. Like I was college, though, a whole other story.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. Because, I mean, dude, think about 14, 15-year-old boys. You're 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 a dog chasing a bone, man. You know, like you've got no other objective but to get it, whatever the it is at the moment. And then as soon as another it rolls by, choop, you're gone. You're, <laughs> you're a squirrel. Like, that's it. Um, do you remember, like, was there a specific like line, phrase that got you. So for me, my Great Awakening book was, and not to make it so much about me, but like to give you an example, I guess, like Animal Farm. I remember reading that at 16 and being real, real funny about it, right? Like being like, oh, this is hilarious. Animals are taking over this farm. Like, oh, it's so stupid. They're making fun of like the farmer. He runs away. Everybody now has jobs. And then I think the horse's name was Boxer. And Box, are you familiar with Animal Farm?
1: Uh, it's about George Orwell, right?
0: Yeah. I haven't read it, but I've heard a couple things about okay. it. Okay, so I I, I don't want to like mansplain or whatever. but Oh, no, you're, you're good. So in, long story short, Animal Farm, the animals have to now recreate their own government, their own society without humans. So it's a natural power play and there's different philosophies and manipulation and power structure and all of it's going over my head. But the one thing I remember was this horse Boxer, his whole mantra was like, I will do more, I will do more. And anytime there was an issue, my man solved it. He was the most powerful creature. I will do more and he was dependent and the goal was to build a windmill and I will do more. I will give up, right? Like he was the sacrifice. He would wake up an hour earlier. If we're waking up an hour earlier, he's waking up two hours early and he's waking up and he's going, spoiler alert, fucking dies and nobody gives a fuck. He dies and they just make him glue and they roll on. And I remember reading that and that hit me at like 17 and I'm like, fuck if I want to just work for someone else's vision and goal. And like, what does that get me, man? They're rolling on. Now they're going to figure out a way to get my productivity. I let all these other people rest because I felt the weight of the world on my shoulders and like, did I save anybody? Did I help anybody? Did I enjoy the grind? I was like, no. So we used to just talk about when we would like be in an elevated state of awareness as teenagers. Um, And dudes would look at me like, man, you fucking overthinking thinking that dude, you know? But to me, I was like, no, you don't get it, man. You don't get it. They're trying to make you part of You know, but like that was when one of those like teeter moments when I felt grown. So all that to say, did you have something specifically you connected with or a certain memory where you started feeling like an outsider?
1: I, um, that's that's a great, great question. Uh, I can't, I can't remember it specifically, but I feel like there, there were some quotes that, that, um, that clicked I feel like it was like an, an amalgamation of things. Like there was stoicism, there was anime. Like, I was I was watching Naruto at the time, and I saw like how the way like different characters, you know, were were still living in this in this system, but had the capacity to think outside of the box. And just these these different speeches, it was like it was just hitting different, resonating with different parts of my soul. It was just this, this gradual buildup and I didn't I really didn't know what to call it back then. Mm, I saw I right. was I was hooked and it was like I was like I was like yo what what is this? And um my freshman year in college, I, I learned like it was like I was I was hitting upon you know Maslow's um you know hierarchy needs like that self-actualization that at that apex of the pyramid. Right. And I was like, yo, that's what it's called. Like I've been doing <laughs> it all this time, I didn't even know what it was called. And I was like, yo, it's huh? like that's that's what it is. Like I've I've hit this already. And I felt like it was a blessing and a curse, cause like I can't fit in with normal people, but at the same time, like felt like a, a superpower. Like I got this super head start advantage. How the fuck do I use it? And um how do I how do I connect with others that also also are, are on that same type of wavelength? And I'm in my first you know, mentor in college who's now like a very close friend of mine, Desmond Fogg, and we would both talk about it. He was like, "Dude, you're not crazy. You're not alone. Like, I, you, you're you're not crazy." And I think that that acknowledgement was like, "Wow, wow, wow. there's people out here too, like real world people, not just on forums and on blog posts and comments. That there's real life people who I can like form bonds with that know about the same type of material and." It was like this great wash of relief over me. It's like, wow, we're here. That was good to work.
0: I'm curious with the two eight, like how was the getting into college process? Did you have a bunch of options were like you forced? How'd you wind up at North? It was Norfolk state. I always
1: I right? say I was like, uh, I was pretty like halfway forced. Cause my, my family <laughs> got me about it. My uncle, my uncle uh, checked me about it. He called me one week, you know, told me, you know, to apply college, 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 school, school, school. I understand his background for it completely, but I don't think I really had a guts back then to just express my opinion verbally, just cause like talking back wasn't really a thing and growing up. It was seen as like disrespect. So I really didn't have the ability to just, just to speak my own mind and, and hold it. Mm. Um, that and-
0: explains a lot, not to get too psychological, but like, that that's one of those things where the generation of boy, you better listen, like yeah. don't talk back. But at the same time, you want me to be questioning and understanding. Maybe that's the connection with the stoicism is like the discovery. I'm constant, not trying to throw like shade at like family upbringing Cause I think people do need limits, but there's something about that battle of like, wait, I'm supposed to discover and question, but, not in this environment at home. I'm just taking you for your word as as a parent or as a mentor, or as his family members. Right. But now in the world, I'm constantly supposed to question, how come I can't bring that into my own environment? That's interesting. Um, I don't know what the connection is to stoicism because again, I, I don't know enough about it, but I feel like that's something. Like don't stoics, aren't they supposed to kind of question everything or is that something else?
1: That's, that's what I pulled from it. I wouldn't say it's like, a, it's a law, but I feel like it's the, once I dove into it, it's something I understood without it having been defined. Like this, this curiosity had no no limits. Resonated with my, you know, like like my dormant curiosity yeah. that I can never really like explore
0: you know, that thought. Like go right. deeper, and what? And what would happen? Why would that be bad? And you just keep going with that thought game to be like, play it out.
1: I I, I feel like that was a space where I felt free. Or my my mind and my soul, like I felt my consciousness consciousness felt free, and um, then you know, me and Desmond in college, it was like I felt like I was I got that that next layer with with your Animal Farm um, analogy, like you know, like it's the system is 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 built to to trap us in a way, like those those feelings and things I expressed at a very early age that I could never really express all the way. That wasn't, that wasn't abnormal. That was perfectly normal. Um, I just never had a chance to really just let it out and let it, and let it, let it do his it thing.
0: Yeah. Right. And I'm sorry, I shouldn't have cut you off, but yeah, that, that made me wonder cause a lot of people grow up and even a lot of teachers teach like that, where it's like, you don't let kids just ramble. You're so quick to cut them off, or so quick to that the what you take as disrespect gets met with immediate authoritarian, author, authoritarianism. Maybe the one with two t's, not three, not authoritative. authoritative. I always screw that one up. But there's one, <laughs> there, there's one where it's like the iron fist, and there's one where you gain for understanding. And a lot of people parent and teach and coach from that iron fist. There, there is a line that you cannot cross. Where some people just are natural explorers and they want to go, you know? So yeah, the the Norfolk State. So your uncle's talking to you about, hey man, you need to get to college. How does that wind up with you at Norfolk State?
1: I want to say it was a village. It was it was my mom, it was my uncle. I didn't apply. my uncle was like, yo, did you finish your application yet? Yeah. Stay with me on the phone all the whole time. So i you know, submitted my application. I also met with them on site at my school because they came to visit and I got accepted. I was like, oh wow. Um, I had a couple of schools I wanted to apply to, but there was like Virginia Tech. I like did one third of the application expected to get it, <laughs> <laughs> it was quickly, the over injection letter. Um I, I I was just a huge grasshopper back then. It really didn't catch my attention back then. I wasn't with it. And also like now, like earlier last year, I've finally become comfortable. Like, I feel like I've self-diagnosed myself with ADHD growing up. And back then I was like, it just, I kind of like dismissed it. Like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm just procrastinating, lazy. Um, it's really just the things that engage me. If it didn't engage me, like I wasn't with it. And now from a more mature level and from a kind of my childlike self, it's like, if my heart isn't aligned with it, you know, I I really don't want any parts with it. I don't want to do this. If it's not long-term for me, is not really like make my blood dance. I don't want to do it. But back to the, back to the original tangent, um, <laughs> um, I, had I was ready to go into the air force. I was talking with different branches of the military because I was ready to just get out. Um, Why would you turned- want
0: to go yeah. to the air force, dude? If you're this like thinker guy. So <laughs> yeah. I went to national guard, right? So that's how I got my college paid for, but <laughs> you know, like I'm, I wasn't a thinker like that. I wasn't, I, I needed the structure in my life like I crave that stability and consistency listening to you I'm like you really want someone waking you up telling you
1: what to do and how to
0: do stuff yeah. for four more years six more years of your
1: life I, I saw three paths at that, at that time um I was currently I was like working two jobs working at PacSun and Foot Locker so there was like the path of and growing up my mom worked you know customer service jobs and so it was like that's really the only path I saw I had like a other dream of like being an IT manager, but that was like I thought that was only accessible through college. Didn't really know about certifications at the time, like the A plus and sec plus. Didn't didn't know about it. And then the the final route was was military. But my mom told me like by eighteen, you know, you have to be out my house, and my birthdays, and, and uh... me and Elon must have the same birthday. So it was like in, in June I had to be out. So it was like the military was the debt free option for me. It wasn't getting caught in like, you know, like like a a job Um, or I was making like, like right, what was making like right above minimum
0: wage. Yeah, to be some uh, like shift manager at Sun, so you can count the register at the end of a shift to yeah. be in charge of 15 year olds.
1: God, could you imagine? Yeah. Oh. It was like, oh man, I don't wanna do that because I've been doing that for like like two years. It was like, I don't wanna incur all this debt either. So military was like, all right, four years in the military, I'm out. Cool. And I was going, I was going, but my air force recruiter, she was, she was pregnant. And so after she left, I didn't find anybody else that I established, like really enough rapport and trust with. Oh. And then my after I graduated, my mom dragged me to North state, the admissions counselors, they cussed me out <laughs> and uh, they For were why? like, and I was just so rebellious. And I, I had an attitude, if I was showing an attitude, I was just very like, non-emotional, non-responsive, very logical. They didn't want to go to college because of death. And my, my my argument wasn't good enough for them. And um, after they had, like, really chewed me out and really just said, just try it for a year, I was like, you know what, I'll try it. And it was different. All the other colleges really tried, treated me like a number in the system. And I was at University, being around other people of color, being around, um, you know, a couple of like people that understood where I was coming from, Um, Why I was so like, like anti-debt, because I was an internet expert of like, reading over, you know, (laughs) comments about college is bad because of debt, it's a trap, et cetera, et cetera. Don't go if you don't know what I want to do yet. I had been so, I was operating from their perspective, I really haven't formed my own. Mm. And um, the admissions counselors like saw right through that and tore it up. And it was like, it was like, wow, like they care about enough, you know, to talk to me on my level. And to like, talk to me, like how a family member would, and I was like, wow. Like, I was like, okay, like this, like family. And, um, Dude, that's awesome. I, and I enrolled that summer.
0: I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. It, it's just like, that's exactly the experience you would hope someone like you would get at a pivotal moment is someone who's a counselor again, like a minimum wage worker that could easily her job, she doesn't get a bonus based on your satisfaction, your five-star rating does not get her 50 extra dollars in her paycheck or her, it was, was it a female or a male? I shouldn't, I guess gender. Uh, her,
1: there were two males and one female. Okay. And there, so there was another no male as well.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. See, there's a, I'm, in school, you get taught about your implicit bias. I started thinking of counselors. I immediately go female. Cause like typically more emotional and sensitive. Um. So yeah, but those people taking the time and caring for a stranger and trying to Get you there, man. It like that's awesome. That's awesome that they were able to peel to the next level of that of your questioning and rebuke you. <laughs> like <laughs>
1: that's awesome. Yeah, it, it's it gets talked about all the time. At, at, at my my college like they always bring me up as a, like a prime example. I always just like 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 smirk at that because like I they they say like yo we had to fight you and I was in their office for about an hour and a half. My mom was crying. The waterworks are going off. I'm like, oh my God, like, fine. I'll I'll sign, I'll I'll sign this paper saying I'm going to, you know, the Summer Bridge Academy. And once I, once I started Summer Bridge was a four-week program at State University where I got to take two classes, got to live on campus, got to meet other high schoolers from that nation, around the nation. It was like, wow, like. Dude, that's so smart.
0: Summer Bridge, like, Get them in early. Get them confidence. Get them so that they can be successful when the fall starts. It, it was great because I, I so had a, like a leg
1: up. It was it was it was great because I felt like I I formed a bond with a couple of students when I, like when I arrived at the campus on the fall I knew where everything was at. Right. Like I felt like I could be like a tour guide at the time, which is called the, the student ambassadors. And I was I was like giving the girls that I liked, like I was giving them like like private tours at night. So when everything is, like, showing off. Knowledge is power. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I felt like a leg up. I knew, I knew, like, I felt like this microcosm of college, I had, yeah, I, I had power. Like, I knew the, the cafeteria staff. I knew how to get extra food. Like, I had built rapport with these people on campus while other students are coming in, you know, going to classes, going straight back to their dorm rooms. I'm, like, conversing with everybody. And now, like, my social skills... Are, are like on steroids. Like I'm practicing. We're to talk. I, I didn't do this in in high school, and then I was like, I'm with people who actually see me as an adult, talk to me like an adult. My social skills are going up. Like I was like, yo, what what is this? Like I feel like I'm leveling up. Like I felt like I I was taking the side missions in, in the RPG, and then now I'm back like at the main mission. I'm just like slashing through like. Wow. And it, it was crazy. It was like, where's all this untapped, you know, side of me been all this time. And it's just accelerating at an exponential level. And I, I got high off that. I got kind of too high off that. Cause <laughs> after my first year in college, I had a one point. I was about
0: to say academic probation. <laughs> like you sounded like the dude that's classic. Like, can this motherfucker get to class and get out the rec center? Like stop go, for us at Dell tech. It was like dudes would skip class and stay at open gym. Cause there was a good run going. And you're like, nah, man, you might want to get to business, right? Like the accounting class <laughs> is not going to do itself, man. You're going to fuck around and be on academic. How do you get on Academic probation in community college was like our saying to a couple of dudes. But yeah, you reminded me of them. Like that sounded like it. Sorry.
1: <laughs> oh no, you're good. You're good. Cause it was like, yo, dude, there had to be a lack of it. And you know, it was, it could be easy for me to blame like I was a first generation college student. My mom didn't finish. Uh, My brother took some time to finish his degree. Um, And it was like I, I wasn't paying attention to my classes. Um, I didn't take it seriously. I was like using the same baseline, like low effort, close level that I was using in, you know, in high school to get by. And it wasn't playing out for me at all. And I, that, that. That point one, that that tenth or hundredth def, decimal place of my GPA saved me from losing my financial aid. And I thought that would've been it if I not had it. And um I um I met with another one of my, my mentors who's um also my my former uh uh Muay Thai uh uh crew or sensei, um, who also worked at school, also an alum, um, Nathaniel Chisholm. He uh set me up with a plan to get back on track and like I'm, I'm thankful for him because he was like, you know, so comes to me you can do this. And I met with, you know, number one of my, my now mentors, her name is Dominique Calder. And she, she was, I was like, you know, I'm ready to drop out of computer science. Like, I hate programming, don't know what I'm doing. I was like, can you be my mentor? We had so many different interests in common. And it was like, she was like, yo, you got this. And it was just this building, this tribe of different people that, that were just, just bosses and killing it in her own domains. It was like, just kept me in school. Hmm. And it, it, without them, I, I wouldn't have graduated.
0: Dude, that did somebody, how did you meet them? Like, were these connections with your mom? Were these people that like counselors were putting you up on? Were you?
1: All, all organic. It, it was, it was nothing we referred to. It was just, it was just all just organic connections, gotcha. like going to different events and hearing someone speaking and like talking to them right afterwards or, um, you know, like having a conversation, and I'm hearing something that he's saying. I'm like, I'm speaking to that level, and then it just it just rises above beyond the surface, or um, just attending. I was very involved, actually, extra in extracurriculars. Extro- it sounded
0: like it. One point seven six. I had to make that. What was the favorite number at first? Two point 2.8, Two point eight. Yeah. So now it should be seventy six, right? You should be a fan of the Sixers. <laughs>
1: It was like it was like um, just attending these different things, just off the wall. It was kind of like the hero's journey, and it was like these different stages of the, of the hero's journey. I was meeting different people, like right when I needed them, and forming these friendships um, with my classmates or or an alum or another you know alumnus or alumna. And it was like, wow, just each 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 year was just like. It was like I was I was building my own roster and it was, it's just amazing. Dude, that's,
0: again, it's funny. Getting to know you podcast often turns into like me reflecting on me. No, no, but, but that's cool. Cause I feel but, like that's how
1: we, 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 um we just build connections and can relay information. Yeah. I,
0: to me, it's so, it would be so weird for me to go somewhere and speak. Like if I went back to the community college at Dell tech, which is where I started, And like told my story about how, and I'm fairly successful from trailer to like graduate degrees as a teacher or whatever. Right. But I think it's awesome. And I I think maybe it's worth stating that people putting themselves out there, you don't know who's going to connect and who's going to need to hear it. It's almost like a good sermon where sometimes you can be preaching like pastors will say that. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I know it's one of y'all out there. And right, and it's like you were the dude at that moment. And it's awesome that people who are professionals and successful found the time to give back. And you can get very involved in the acquisition and not the give back. And then you miss out on people like you who needed the give back in order to obtain to get yours. You needed someone to give back to you so that I'm sure you're going to pay it forward. And I'm sure part of your personality Absolutely. is I look to if someone's interested. Let me help you. Let me share. Let me try to level you up, whatever the, the like phrase you want to put on it. But that's like, again, that, that's what a community and culture should be. So I, I think it's awesome. It's just so hard for me to put myself in that spot of like going out there and then someone being like, Oh man, fucking programming sucks and me being the dude that's like, nah, man, you got, you know, like <laughs> it, it, it's not that it's braggadocious, but I guess for some reason I take it for myself as it would be braggadocious for me to present my accomplishments. But I don't think I should think that way. I think like people, it gives you credibility and it helps people to, if they connect with you, understand, oh my God, you made it. And it's almost like sure. a mindset shift in myself that I gotta start getting out of. Cause it, me personally, I wonder if other people can be like that where like you're almost too humble about your accomplishments, which then can limit others cause they don't realize you're like me. And I, I, if you tell me what you've been through now, all of a sudden, I know I can get through this as well.
1: It, it's, it's hard finding that ratio. It is really hard finding, finding that ratio. Cause, um, of being, being humble and being braggadocious on that spectrum. And, um, I think it's, I think it's like really, really just speaking from your heart and, and being yourself, which took me, which took me such a long time to do, um, you know, throughout college, I was, as I was still finding my myself and still discovering the depths of my soul. I feel like that's like a a lifelong journey. Even after graduation, like, you know, there's still more of me that I've yet to discover. It's like, wow, this this continues. There is no end to this. But I feel like it's a beautiful part about it um, that we just keep uncovering these these layers of ourselves, and we can keep making these connections. Um, I like, I guess bringing the conversation like full circle back to you know tribes and finding like we we can't survive alone. We can't survive alone. Like we need other people to survive. Um because being isolated and being ostracized, it's it sucks. And I feel like it can drive people crazy. Cause when I was by like like falling super super engaged in stoicism, you know, throughout high school and there was anybody else I can connect with, I felt isolated. Like I sat by myself, you know, at the lunch table in high school. Like I didn't know who to talk to, um, and, and it was like other conversations. Like I put like you know, I, I know what y'all are talking about, but it doesn't doesn't engage me. like I'm just not. I can't even connect with you guys anymore.
0: Yeah, for me, and like no no shade of what would be like gossip, and I don't know if this is what you're talking about. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but like even still as a, a what am I forty years old, it's hard for me to get down with the. So we just talking shit to like talk shit. Like it's fun to talk shit about whatever. Like I, I'm into basketball. So it's interesting to get into debates about a well, philosophy of man pack line versus pressure. Right. And like, what's the better defense or this guy's better than this guy. And you build up stats, but just like the weird can't believe they wanted to act like that or, Oh man, if you going to do that again, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, all this is, is like, is it's, it's fumes, it's steam, it's waste. Like what, what are we debating to win and get something? Are we sharpening something or are we just talking? Cause we're not on our phones.
1: <laughs> ne- caused, um, negative sum, zero sum games. If you're familiar Ooh. with that term and, um, no and that makes that,
0: perfect sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you don't win. Like it's a, it's a status game where somebody else is trying to get to the top by tearing somebody else down, and you know, like I understood that from earlier, I was like I don't want to participate in those games. And what all offers are like positive-sum games where everybody wins yeah. um, through through like being creative and uh, through conversations like these, where you know not only you and I are like are like cross-pollinating different ideas and experiences, but your audience gets to tune in and learn something new. Now it's like you're, you're elevating, you know, somebody else more than just yourself, like you're elevating a community. Um, and you can, you know, eventually like elevate a nation and it's, it's through like mutually beneficial things like this, that it's like, I want to participate in things like this for the rest of my life. Like long-term games, Nivala calls it, um, playing long-term games with with long-term people. Like that's, that's all I want to do.
0: I'm super curious about, did the HP? BCU part matter. And because again, I, I've go and I'm the white male and it's not to get like super racial and it always gets fucking clunky when I do it. Cause yeah, I'm the white male and I'm like middle, upper middle class now, but I grew up in a trailer park. Like I grew up in New York city. Then we moved to Delaware. I'm in a trailer park, you're on food stamps. And I've always thought of more of like a wealth gap versus like a racial gap. It, it It's always messed my mind up, but All that to get to, I don't feel like I've ever needed to go to a WBCU because it seems like that's what the Ivy League is. (laughs) The white college historical, like, yeah, that's why we had Harvard and shit like that, apparently. It's hard for me to understand the need of an HBCU. And when you started talking about, wow, there are people around me, I feel accepted. I just wanted to hear a little more about was that super impactful? Do you think you would have got the same experience had you gone to a non-HBCU?
1: Absolutely. At first, um, Norfolk State was like at the bottom of, my lift, uh, bottom of my list. And just because of different talks around high school, nobody else was like really interested in going. I really didn't see need for going. My brother went, graduated from Old Dominion University, which is super close, same city of Norfolk. Uh, so like I had my sights set there too. And it was like, I really didn't want to go to a, all by college, I really didn't see the point of it. What going to an HBCU did for me, though, like I got to see, like other people that looked like me, other people that, that were black and from from the African American diaspora that were successful. And It was like I really didn't see that growing up in in my environment, and it, it didn't it didn't hit me on the importance of that because like I didn't feel like I I felt like I had to mold and be somebody else who who I wasn't or conform to different way of speaking, way of thinking and really just being myself and being bold uh, with, you know, you know, being, being my, being my full self, if that makes sense. And um, it was like, it was like, I really didn't see a need for setting goals until I got there at Norfolk State University and like I met Desmond and I saw his process for it and I, around me in my, in my area, my socioeconomic area, you know, I really didn't see you know, a lot of black people, unless they're on television or they're famous, they play basketball or celebrity. I didn't see, you know, them doing, you know, like things that I aspired to do. And being at at HBC was like, you know, I can be myself and I can aspire to do great things. And I had the confidence to go out and do these things. So it was like, it was like, wow. Like it wasn't, uh, I think with some, some, people who aren't too familiar with HBCUs is like, oh, like there's, is it like, it's like anti this race or anti that race. Um, for me, it was like, while I felt super empowered to, to just be myself in it. Um, and like not to code switch or talk in a certain type of way. Cause when I would talk to, when I would talk to my boss, it was like my, my boss would never say, um, I would dress her as, as as Miss. And my boss, like, in an internship, I was trying to say, you know, Mr. Mister. And they were like, yo, you can just call me by my first name. You can call me Joe. And for me, it was like, no, I can't do that. Like, I think there some negative side effects, too, because, like, I was raised up on this. This is my upbringing. Yeah. Instead of, I was at New York State like this, I was supposed to carry myself in a professional environment. Um, And there were times where there, were, there was a conflict, like, like you can call somebody by their first name and not get in trouble. If I try to call my boss in Arm State by her first name, like I she would, it would I would get that look. Oh, would be like, yo, like you better fix that quick. Um, just cause it was just different levels of respect and just the different cultural traditions and and unwritten rules that you just abide by. So there were times where like like wow, where I did have to adjust and like, wow, okay. I, I can do this here, but I can't do this here. It's like it's just one one of those nuances that I always found funny um going going to HBCU that I'm sure like a lot of my, my friends and colleagues can agree with. Uh so there's there's definitely pros to it, but I feel like there there are a few cons to uh because if you're too comfortable around 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 one one ethnic group, you know, it does make you kind of it makes it kind of hard to um, relate to, to another type of of, of group or, or racial group. Um, Can I and,
0: just interject there? Because it, it's sure. interesting, and not to get, again, super racial, but like there's a segment of parents, Caucasian white, who are like, I don't want to send my kid to a private school where you're around other kids who are paying 40 grand a year, and all they're going to do is grow up around white kids and know what white kids are about that are of affluence. Like why wouldn't I send them to a public school so that they can know the people in their community and they can understand there's more than just this one section. And it, when you had said that it's interesting because I hadn't considered the, not like a con con, but a con of like, yeah, you grow up in this professional thinking environment. And then all of a sudden you then have to go back into a world where you go from being a majority I'm around all people who are like my race to now I'm a minority again in the real world, trying to find my place. I hadn't thought about that leaving college before, but that's an interest. I I, I didn't want to stop your take, but like, I had not thought about coming out of an HBCU and then like going back and being like, yeah, I'm not like now I am like kind of alone again, or I'm not as represented as I'm used to.
1: Right. Right, yeah, it, it mm-hmm. is. Um, it is a, a pretty interesting feeling for sure. I was thinking about by going to HBCU and getting to learn the roots of of why HBCUs were created in the first place, because um, you know African Americans just there was like in in times of slavery and even you know post slavery and in the Jim Crow era, you know that education it it was seemed out of reach and you know, different types of discrimination, you know, was was out there in different PWIs. And, you know, I wasn't I wasn't there for myself in in the nineteen hundreds and eighteen hundreds and the mid nineteen hundreds to experience it, but if, you know, from like a you re know, experience was like growing up, if I could put myself in the shoes of of African Americans growing up then it was like, you know, that must have been rough. And then having your own community, you know, that that was necessary. Um in and even to this day, it's like HBCs are, are trying hard to fight for funding and fight for for representation. And I, it's like now going to when I I can fully understand why.
0: I, I, I don't know if it's like what, whatever. I don't even want to put a label on it. But so this past summer, I would read um, Frederick Douglass's narrative and the ignorant me. Like I didn't know that's fucking Baltimore. Like that's driving range where he grew up and what he went through. And it's very easy to forget, like, dude, it was illegal to teach a black kid, Frederick Douglass, how to read. He had to con kids in alleys to teach him how to read. And are we even 200? It's, it, it's less than 200 years. And now you think of generations and you're like, dude, you got a fucking five, six, 700 year start on literacy. And now you want to base education on literacy and you're trying to have these parents know that, Hey, it's good to be literate, but what can they rely on? Who is their mentor? Can their parents educate that to them? No, because it was illegal for them to be literate. So like breaking that cycle and gaining that perspective of generational like limitations, like outlawed. When, when I read that, that he would trick kids into teaching him how to read. And I forget exactly how he did. I remember like he used to make bets or something, or he would like make the other kids feel stupid. And he would like borrow school books. I was like, could you fucking imagine some other eight year old having to figure out a way to fool someone else to teaching them how to read? Like that's insane.
1: It is crazy. That's actually the first book I read when you're in my summer British was um was his uh was it autobiography or biography? I, I thought he
0: wrote it. Um okay. so I bel I, I thought he wrote it as emancipated. I can't remember where he was in life when he looked back to write it. But it goes it chronicles all the way back to like the plantation and how I believe. I don't know if it was his mother or the father. I thought his parents were separated, but I remember there was this one scene where he witnesses someone, a, 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 a slave getting like beaten, whipped, and it scars him. And he's like then having to move around. And he's like, for some reason, hop into these plantations. And he winds up getting in Baltimore and he acquires these ship skills. But he apparently goes to like, before that, he goes to a nicer house. Cause I think the plantation owner lost like a, poker debt. (laughs) And you're like, can you fucking imagine, dude, I lost 30 grand. And you're like, well, here are a couple people to make up for my debt. Like that shit is wild alone. And then they go to Baltimore and it's like, now he has kind of a better life, but he still has to go out and fight for this education. And and like, it's, it's, I don't know, man. Like it's one of those books where you read it And because regionally it's so close, I didn't realize, I always thought he was like a Canadian kind of dude where he wound up getting freedom somewhere in Canada and then was able to help almost not, not propaganda, but like publicize. This is what can be, Hey, you have hope. Hey, you can make it and like encourage the education because it you need to know your rights. You need to know these laws. You can make this work in your favor. The system can be a system for everyone if we understand how the system works, kind of a thing. I didn't realize it was like right there on the line, the, the Mason Dixon line. Like you're right there. It 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 blew my mind. And um it's it's kind of a shame that like I was thirty of thirty-nine forty the first time I read it. Like I wish I'd have read it when I was twenty to gain some
1: perspective on like
0: why was shit like that?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it truly was was fucked up. Um to say it blatantly. It's like you financial well, literacy at its base level is just so fundamental in, in a society. And I, I can imagine back then, you know, there's some things you could probably get away with without having been literate. Although you can get away with that, away with um get away without being literate in today's world. But back then I was like, wow, like there's so much information you don't know. Like if you're signing a document, how do I know what I'm signing? If I can't read some documents, somebody's telling me to sign this and I take their word for it, but I can't think for myself cause I can't even read. No. I can't read that, that language.
0: And the person telling me to sign it, like, what's the trust factor? Like you trusting those counselors, man, imagine it being flipped and somebody's like, oh no, no, no. Just. Because he wound up working on a shipyard, whatever. He wants to buy like tools. No, no, this is a great deal for you to get these tools. Just just put an X for your name and come here and give me $20 every month. And you, the tools will be yours after five years, right? Like something like that happened all the fucking... It's like payday loans. But you're keeping people yeah. so that they can't read and understand the terms and the interest accruing right. and all that stuff. Like, yeah, dude, it just maintains... A lower class of society which is terrible for a fucking society you don't want people you don't want hungry dogs you want dogs that enjoy being around people like why would you want to keep people down all that does is bring up like resentment and anger and hatred like what you were saying everyone naval everyone can be leveled up why not how is that bad for society if everyone has means if everyone's literate what that's going to mean you're less literate? No. (laughs) It means like literacy is aware. Therefore, maybe they can figure some stuff out that you can't. Like that, that should be the ultimate goal. And the way Frederick Douglass went about it, I was just like, you're you're eye opened. Like it's, you're so grateful for a public education. And then at the same time as teacher, you're just like, not not to make about teaching again, but like, You're like, fuck, man, this is important. (laughs) Like, (laughs) dude, you need to be able to read and write and express yourself, man. Shit matters on any level, regardless of your race. Like, people really fucking fought and suffered for this basic right. And it's really important, man. Like, understand what went down to get you in a classroom with someone like me being like, what is your idea? What is your opinion? Now, why do you think that? What did you read that made you think that? Put that in there. Now make the connection and explain why what you read made you think that. Like, that's power. That's power. Yeah, it definitely is. Sorry, I went on a tangent there for myself. No, for no, 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 you're good. You're but good. Like, I, it, it It's something that I don't know if I'll ever even be able to understand the importance of the HBCU. Because I, I think what they call it in training is like the implicit bias of if you're growing up and you're just always around... The means and it's like, how do you know what it's like not to have representation right? How do I know what it's not like to every GI Joe looks like me, every doctor looks like me every everything looks like me so so on some subconscious some level I'm like, well, I could be anything because everything is like me where what you said is like, okay entertainers cool where's the accountant <laughs> Right, right. Where, <laughs> we're, we're not
1: entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs. Yeah,
0: right. Where's the well, fucking dude, I, I, the I, office space? Where's where, where's what is the geek squad? Where's the geek squad guy
1: that lets me know right, it's cool? Right. I, I didn't. I really didn't see that growing up, and like, it was like my my dream when I was after, you know, my my dreams of being an inventor and entrepreneur faded away. Next up was NBA, but I didn't have the you know I didn't I didn't have the physical you know ability to to be a player. And I knew that early on, so I was like, next thing I was like, NBA coach. And then I was like, you know what? And did basketball. My love for basketball started, started fading out. So I just started trying to find other things I could do. But it's like, I believe I believe it's, it's two-sided. Like, you need, you need to drive to do it. And if you can visualize and see, you know, real world somebody doing it, it's like, okay, wow. If he can do that, I can do that too. And then you start, you know, closing those degrees of separation if it's like one degree away it's like yeah like my homeboy does that Mm. of course I can do that and now I can help help somebody else get there and that was culture in the state for me the people that I surround myself with it was like you know um it was each one teach one and it was um you know just passing on the torch that's been handed to you and everybody like everybody who I'm like who I'm blessed to call a mentor they they share that same philosophy and i I try to share that for the people I pass the torch down to as well.
0: I feel like that I've heard several people talk about that mentor title. And I feel like that's almost like a, like, like it's prestigious. Like people almost seek out to be worthy of being mentors. Am I kind of incorrect about, I, I know it's a big deal to be a mentor, but it seems like the fact that people, not like they're again, trying to brag like, oh yeah, I mentor 12 people on some
1: pyramid no, scheme no, thing. I, I can definitely say there's there a there is a subsection of people who do, who do like take it on for the title. Oh they really? They just, that diagnosis type. But I really think, I think back to the hero's journey. And um, I think, I think back to ways since is where it's really just focused like one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in a particular domain or field, or level of thought, or even like through life, you know, if you you are looking for it, you you can find it organically. I, I feel like sometimes it it is forced, um, you know, like it can be manufactured, and sometimes it can work because sometimes there have been situations where, you know, I've been assigned a mentor and it, it did work out. Um, but I'm, for most of mine, like it's been, it's been completely organic. It's like it's like wow, like I'm I'm interested. I have an interest in something you excel at and um, you know, I'm I'm willing to put in the effort to to meet with you on a consistent basis whether it be like weekly, monthly, you know, quarterly to just build a bond with you and just to get to know you as a person and get to, you know, just learn more about your craft and how I, get, how I can excel better at the craft. It's, whatever's been organic it's always been great. Always.
0: Dude, it's so awesome that people who are professionals don't want to be stingy with how they become professionals.
1: It's a, it's a blessing. I think it's like finding, finding that too. And have like, as I've gotten older, I've been more sensitive to energy and starting to pick up on, on vibrations and like, okay, like this person is authentic or this person is just showboating um, mm-hmm. and, and very, you know, very, very pompous. And it's like, all right, like I want to be aligned with somebody who's, it was just authentic and just genuine, because I know that's, that that connection is gonna be way better for both of us. Um, versus that person has a skill, but their the personality energy is just shit. Like I don't want to, don't want to <laughs> see myself with <dizzy. laughs>
0: you. That's still, I, yeah. I, God, I wish I had the the energy thing is a weird. It's a weird space I get into because I've spoken to a bunch of like the. They call themselves like woo-woo affectionately. (laughs) Like not crystal lovers. And I'm not saying you're that, right? But there is something between like, (coughs) yeah, right. Like spiritual, not an attraction in like the physical reproductive way, but like even on a chemical, if you want to go stoic, like there's something about ions and opposite polars and, but it takes me to a weird base of energy, but at the same time, what's the difference between energy and gut feel, right? Right. Like there, it, right? It's just another word that's a little more scientific for like, why do, we, why do you trust him? I, I, I can't explain why. Can't explain it. <laughs> why do you think he committed the crime? I, the detective, I can't explain it. It's my gut and it's a hunch. And you're like, we trust that. It's an instinct. Okay, we're cool with that. But for some reason, the word energy makes me want to like formula it. I want to get formulaic. I want to balance the equation for the energy. And it's like, dude, it's not a chemical equation. It's just a natural thing that probably evolved from tribalism of like, we need mutual dependency to survive. And you're going to vibe with somebody who isn't a threat to you. You're going to vibe with somebody who has your genuine well-being in mind. And that probably still is around. Like you would hope it would
1: still be around. Yeah, I I feel like the, uh, I already talked about earlier with the, <laughs> Humanity versus the algorithm. The algorithm has like desensitized our our feelings of, you know, natural, it just, just vibrate well, antennas of like picking up on energy and emitting energy. Because yeah, different people describe it different ways. And I was at the point where I was trying to like get down to a formula too. Like I was watching, first got introduced to it when I was watching The Law of Attraction, um, or, or the, the Secret. And then I learned about the law of attraction and then I watched it again just to really understand it. I'm like, is this just like fairy tale BS or is this an actual thing? And trying some experiments I was like, okay. Is I that can like see
0: manifestation? This. Like you keep talking about like I'm gonna blank and then because you keep talking about it, putting it out there, it comes back to you. Is that I'm unfamiliar with the secret and the law absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: it's, it's the law of attraction. Um it I think at a high level you, you can't say that that is 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 true um but it's how I try to think about like from a from a very like first levels first principles thinking is just, like whatever you focus on grows and uh... as you start to focus on that thing in your mind um you will start to see more of that thing and I try to think about it as like um I, one of the first concepts I was always enamored with as a kid was the um I think it's the, the batter Mainhoff or matter Bainhoff phenomenon. Or you want a new word and you start to hear it everywhere.
0: Oh, it's the punch buggy syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, Oh yellow punch buggy. And then all of a sudden there's like 12 of them and you're like, how come there's right. so many punch buggy? That's so I'm true. You, punch Dude, buggies. you sound so much smarter when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking title to yeah. it. I didn't know that's a thing, but that's totally a thing. Like once you become aware of blank, you just notice it everywhere.
1: You just start to notice it. And now like I'm I'm currently writing a novel. And in my novel, like I try to break it down um into, into core principles that are that can that are that everybody can understand. And I, I call it I, I call it the the law of invention. So I try to if I think about attraction, I think about attraction as as a magnet, and your mind is is a magnet. And th- this is my philosophy. Anybody can come and debate it. I'll I'll uphold it. You know, all day long, but I'll still be receptive to other people's opinions. Um, but as as I've been fleshing this out for the past year and a half, is that your your mind is a magnet. Whenever you focus on, you attract. And there's also another theory that I've been like I've been conceptualizing and and really just in focusing on what called a hierarchy of belief. And it, it starts from your thoughts. Your your thoughts. Are, are pure, they're raw materials, and your, your mind is essentially like, is, is, a, is a magnet, and you're putting, you're inventing these thoughts. And it starts to invent your thoughts, your thoughts become words. Those words become your, your actions, your actions develop into your habits, your habits, you know, it starts to re- sculpt your responsibilities, which really starts to like, lay, up, lay out and mold your character, and that ultimately decides your reality. And I, I see, it like, your thoughts determine your reality. If you're going from the bottom of that base pyramid to the top of the apex, yeah. and that's, that's a level, that's a hierarchy of belief. And the the more you start to adopt those thoughts, adopt those words and become vocal and act on those actions and own those responsibilities, you'll start to attract what you want in life. Like, my, my thought was, like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. You didn't really know how to go about it. Then started to have conversations with people about it who are interested, started going attending seminars, reading different books. As your level of progression increases with that, that hierarchy, you will eventually become that thing that you want or eventually attract that thing that you want um, into your life.
0: Or you'll feel responsible for putting in the effort to try because now you have to own it. If you put it out there and people hear it, you gotta do it. If you're like, yo, i have given up sweets and then all of a sudden everybody sees you with donuts or whatever, then you're like, thought you were giving up sweets, dude. You know? The, right. the counter to that that always messes with me with that argument is the hubris. The sense of like, why the fuck do you think you're that powerful? Who are you? You're one of how many billions? How many, almost, no, not trillions. Billions of people on earth why are you so special? How come you have the energy to manifest your fate and your future?
1: And we all we all have. It.
0: Yeah, right. We and like but do we cuz the law of what, what what's what are the three basic laws of thermodynamics, right? Energy is neither created nor destroyed. So there's limited energy. So if you have it, I don't know if I can. Because if everybody has it, there has to be some balance of people who don't. And is that why we have aliens? Is that why they're not on the planet? Cause they're like looking for their planet where they get this energy and they have this empowerment. Is that why we have insects? Cause insects don't have this and they're the ones who like balance off. And I don't know if that's like too simplistic or stupid, but like, no, no, no. that's where in the argument, if I keep going with it, I get right. stuck is like, but I thought life like yin and yang balance, but maybe I shouldn't look at it as a balance.
1: I think it's. I think you're. You have a. You have a. Um. A valid argument, like from a, from a logical perspective and a scientific perspective. Like your your argument is completely, um. It's it's logical and it's valid, but I think if you, if you focus on that, you start to lose that other half. Like, like if you become too absorbed in the yin, you know, you start to lose some of that yang. And if you focus on it all the way, and as that circle becomes all the way black or all the way white and you lose that other piece. It's like, if you no know longer believe in, or, or that argument weighs, if that argument has more weight than the table of your mind, yeah, you, you will believe and act according to, to that law. But if you act according to the other law that says, you know, you you do put out energy and vibrations and you, you can pull those things that you want and manifest those things along with the the action that's required to get it um you will attract those things into your life and start to see more of those things. Uh so I, I feel like cause I was at the same point too where I was trying to understand all of it, but it's really just like which which pool do you you fall into? Now, I'd recommend you to watch um Genius, the documentary series by by uh um by Cootie and in in Chike. Um these last ones was on Kanye West. And it's seeing Kanye's journey and seeing how he Put in the work, and it's debatable. Like, he called himself a god. I'm, I'm probably not gonna go that, ra- that rabbit hole, but Kanye <laughs> West um, being being this artist and rapper, and from an early age, knowing what you wanted in life and taking it by the horns and grabbing it. Um, it was like, wow, like he set out in in simple, super simple terms, like stated what he wanted in life, put in the work to get what he wanted, and attracted just that. And for some people that might be a little bit too simplistic. Yeah. Oh yeah. He had the talent, you know, had the connections, but I think it was a blend of like having the energy and having him focusing on what he wanted it and pulling it, you know, tracking it right into his life. So it's
0: something when, um, so I got into a little bit of like swing trading day trading, just stocks. Right. And right. before I got into that, cause it's online, I can do it myself. I, I was up last year, this year I'm shit. Um, but it was something I never thought of the financial advisor. I call up fidelity and I'm just like, Hey, I want to buy stocks. And they were like, why? I was like, well, I want to make money. And they were like, well, how much? And I'm like, fuck if I know, man, like I just want to make money. I got three grand. I want more. And they were like, well, what's more to you. And I was not I like, honestly, I hadn't considered that. I, I, i like, it, it almost flabbergasted me as a pretty educated person. I had not taken the time to actually define success because, and now it was like, well, what did I want with that money? Oh, well, do I want to be a millionaire off of $3,000? That's not a logical stop. Or the risk is you're going to probably lose your $3,000 to be able to make that happen, right? And then you start getting these conversations. And when you're talking about manifesting, I'm super curious. And that's something where I wonder, if with Kanye or with people, if they can get like, I don't know if Kanye was like, I want to be rich, but I wonder if he got to the point of he defined rich in his life of what rich meant. Like I want to own a home that's blank square feet outright kind of stuff. And then you got these metrics and what I've always been raised as the first thousand is the hardest, but once you get that, it just starts rolling. Cause now you know how to do that. And it, um, it ripples out. And I feel like that's where people with the manifestation part can lose it is like you almost don't manifest specific enough because if something comes to you and you're like, oh, I want money and you get a blessing or or if you've manifested my, again, just $3,000, now all of a sudden it's an extra thousand and I'm like, ah, that ain't enough. We're actually, that is a lot more but I wasn't aware enough cause I wasn't specific enough with my goal to recognize it and pull it in. Um, I don't know, like, I, I don't know why that came into my mind, but it made me question, does my doubt of the manifestation and power happen? Because maybe when I think about it myself, I'm not specific enough to, if something comes towards me to recognize it, cause I don't even know really what I'm looking for. Like, Oh, I want, like whatever you, you want that girl. I want that girl. I want her to be hot. Well, what is hot, dude? Like, what it, what is attractive, right? Like, there, there she is at a bar stool, or there she is going for a jog in the park, or there she is in the library, or there she is as a co-worker. There's, and you're like, I don't even know how to recognize it, because I haven't taken the time, the peace, the thought to really manifest it. It's too impulsive. You know what I'm saying? I guess maybe that's
1: what I'm saying.
0: As I'm this is something out. I talk
1: about my sis- to my sister with on a daily basis. It's just like the universe loves specificity. When you're specific, you're, you'll get just that, but if you're if you're general, and I'm not summarize what you just said, but it just made me think of our past conversations with my sister. Um when you're when you're general, you'll you'll get exactly exactly just that. Like I love BMW i 8s Love it. What? That is BMW I8s.
0: Oh, okay, I, I yeah. thought it was some like philosophical acronym at first that I was trying to break
1: down. <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, no, no!" Okay. <laughs> oh no, no! We're getting into material now. He's <laughs> just regular old material possessions. Um, but I, I actually love that car, and um, I, I aspire to have one within the next year. And it's, it's, when I when I've been out and about, it's like, it's like, oh, like I, I want that car. Like every time I've been traveling, like my brain was on autopilot, it was like on autopilot like trying to find it. And whenever I find one, like I was like, I'm getting this closer to owning one. Just t- two years ago, I was test driving one in, in a trip to San Diego. And it's like, it was a different color from the one I have on my vision board. But I think, you know, again, going back to our ways of learning, like visual kinesthetic and auditory for me, visual kinesthetic. When I drove it, I was like, yo, I can't wait to own one. And now I'm seeing one in such a, rapid pace when I go out, um, and taking pictures of one every time I see it, like even I'm driving, like I have to take a picture of it. because like, I'm getting that much closer to owning one and make sure I'm my, I'm putting the work into it to have one too. That's what um,
0: I'm wondering. Like that's gotta affect your choices of, do I need to stop at Starbucks? Do I need to go out? Do I need to order an extra blank or does it not have an effect on your daily habits?
1: Spending I, don't think habits. It has an, I think. I think um I don't think it has an effect on your daily habits if you're if you're looking for it. I think if you you operate as normal, but I, I feel like the more specific the thing, the more specific you know you, your goals to be inclined to to get that thing too. um like uh, of course if you want um oh let's say I, there's some examples I can I can choose from but if if I want to be able to afford this this kind of car or this kind of insurance price. I have to make sure I'm bringing in some kind of income to be able to afford that Got that it. expense and that and that liability. Um, so putting in the work to you know to make additional revenue streams for for myself. Otherwise, it's just a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. It's not going to come without the work. Um, but I believe if you know you have something you you see every day and you speak aloud. there's something I I learned from reading. Uh, Thinking grow rich from Napoleon Hill, um, is having something where you see it every day and speak, oh, that I will own this, all oh, I will have that, I will become this every day. It's it's almost like a a self fulfilling prophecy you make for yourself. You know, you start to speak those things, you start to act those things. Now you're making a social contract of yourself. You compound that every day, over the course of you know a few years, you won't help but act like that. Like I think it's it's, it's something like, like the power of mantras and, you know, with, you know, other groups, like, like the Navy SEALs, um, with their, with their code and their, their bias to action and things that they have to learn and repeat. Um, it's, it's, oh man, it's like the, the language is, is so powerful. And I feel like that's why I wanted to write this this novel because it's like, What's the best way to teach a lesson? I feel like people would be bored if I just talked about it all day long, but if I can tell it through a story, it's, it makes it so much more absorbable. What's our favorite lessons come through stories, dude. What's the Bible,
0: right? Like what are are the, the I've not read other religious, I I guess they would be called canons. I'm not even sure, um, to be honest with you, whether it's like Hindu, Muslim, but I feel like, and I, Dr. thank you for correcting me earlier, Jordan B. Peterson, like has had several and he currently has narrative ones. I tend to go to sleep listening to him because I can make about five minutes in and then my mind's worn out, like just trying to keep up. It puts me out, (laughs) but the way he breaks down just stories and how that's what it was early because that's what could be passed on. There was something about stories that wasn't a summary of informational facts to be carried on before written words could be expressed and um, printed. Stories could. You could tell a story. So it's interesting that you bring up the, the power of words because there is... God, I, I don't... I can't get too philosophical this deep because I'm just not expert
1: But like <laughs> this, this is like my zone, right? <laughs> yeah, right.
0: So like did it come on this, of this? Did it come like where do you get your power of word
1: belief from? It's I feel like it's mixed because I I I feel like I'm religious and spiritual. Like I, I grew up Christian. Um I questioned different Christian beliefs while I was growing up, in that while I was like diving into this stoicism pool um and drinking drinking from that pond. Um, but then, then i came back to it i read the book the alchemist and like it it came back to me i guess it could be a thing like my, my name and um in the bible means god is with us and um it, it hit me like when the pandemics you know first started two years ago as i was reading *The alchemist i was like oh man like I forgot what my, my own name means and getting to see the similarities between seeing some of these spiritual teachings some of these logical teachings and some of these biblical and religious teachings, it was like, wow, like there's there's a common ground here. Like it has gotta be some form of perennialism where it all came from one source and one one higher power. Different people, I feel like just took their own take and spit on it as, you know, as time and history went on and, you know, made it this and made it that and made it that because that's how they understood it and processed it for themselves and their tribe and their groups and their nations. I feel like it all came from one source, just the information is just divided and, you know, has a different flavor. But I feel like it all came from the same, the same canvas. Um, like you have things like the Rosetta Stone and um, things in different, different tablets and things, inscriptions throughout history that detail these things. Oh man, I, I can keep on going, I feel like I'm like. I might even lose myself. I keep on going on the stream, but um.
0: Well, that's kind of the point, right? Like it's a <laughs> yourself. like it sometimes it's oh, nice. <laughs> so like I lost. Well, no, it's just the the power of words and like I, I don't know what as you were talking about the Rosetta Stone and the power of words. And again, maybe I'm just not confident enough. Maybe I'm way too humble. But I'm like, our communication seems to set us apart. I feel like the human race's communication allowed us to be dominant. And I don't mean to be sacrilegious because apparently like in the Bible, God put man in charge of the earth. Right? So I'm not trying to like crap on that, but it seems like our ability to communicate verbally and in print visually helps us to maintain dominance over bears because you can look up how to make a gun and you can make a gun, right? Like you don't know how to make a spear. You can make a spear. You don't know how to kill a bear. You can find a book, how to kill a bear. And if a bear is a threat to you, you know, if you need to go in the water to maintain with sharks, you can prepare yourself. I doubt sharks can go to a library, figure out how to get on land and come take over (laughs) Delaware, right? Like for some reason that knowledge, they don't have, sharks in the coral reef of Australia, figuring out how to fucking get legs and grow on land or how to adapt to conquer where we make boats for some weird reason. Right. And like we go to their homes and we act like it's ours. So the language has really empowered people and allowed us to dominate the earth. But it's not like we're the only ones who communicate. Birds chirp all the time. Right. (coughs) Dogs have radar dogs bark, you know? So it's like, why is ours so much better? Cause we have linguistics, cause our tongue allows us to do this, or is it really does it come from the God that created people and empowered us to have domain over the earth? I don't know if I got yeah. you back on track or if it bring up a,
1: a great a great point. And I feel like, I feel like language is, is the first invention by by mankind. It comes to so many different forms, right? Like linguistics, body language, subtle cues. That's another one
0: too, man. Body language, yeah, body language. It's like ninety-five
1: percent of it. Yeah. Like I, I can I can tell when you have something important you want to say. It's often like very small subtle cues, and vice versa. And like things like reading the room versus being toned up, Like body language, if you can't read it. You're at a complete disadvantage. Almost like being, you know, you know, non non-literate. If you can't read the room. You know, or being putting smart to the street smart, you you lose out on search on certain social advantages, yeah. or you might face a huge disadvantage. It's 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 incredible. Like when I, when I was like getting to college, like I I sought out to like master, so, like I want to master like being a master of communication. Like I want to be able to speak logically, but also be able to stir up emotions. You know, when when trying to relay empathy or receiving empathy, like how to pick up on verbal cues that I might have missed and communicate with different people from different types of cultures. Like I was like, I would just want to be a master at communication. Can I,
0: so because you're talking about the book and I almost, I feel like a little bit of the schmuck that we haven't gotten into the book. Cause me as an ELA teacher, I'm interested, but the <laughs> transition from non-communicator to communicator book, I believe it's called like a watershed moment where like a character. Become something that they weren't, or they have this realization. And I'm wondering, do you have like a moment you go back to and pinpoint for your transition to being the stoic to being like life of the party type dude? <laughs> or like wanting to dominate, <laughs> however, you want to word it, you know, but being well, that guy that you are now?
1: I, like, I'd say it definitely started when I met when I met Desmond. It was like I found another human being who one I look up to or respect, who's four years older than me, was he has like a, a big brother mentor type figure. Um, and someone who took me under my wing was like, wow, I can, I can now like, we can now cross-pollinate and like I'm I'm not alone. Like I I can now exercise this muscle that I've been studying up on for years. Like when I was in seventh grade, like um, uh as I was, as I said previously, like, I was praying about doing push-ups, but I couldn't do not a single one. But so I started actually doing them. I started reading about incline push-ups and doing those to build my muscle. Then doing de- and developing a strength enough to do decline push-ups. And then, like like doing it actually in public, it felt that way when I met Desmond. It was like, wow, I can finally talk to somebody about this. I can exercise this muscle. I can put my thoughts into words, which is something like Jordan Peterson. Like speaks about so much, and I see the importance of and I still feel like i'm I'm just scratching the surface because a lot of my thoughts don't get to come out as words as I like them to, but in conversations like these where you know we, we can break that fourth that fourth wall um, and exercise these different you know, just capacities of what we're reading and learning and express them without fear of of being judged. God, that,
0: that's how you ascend in life yeah and it um. makes you more succinct right so like a good thought is a clear thought wasted words yes. are terrible right and there, there's a better way to say wasted words are terrible but that that's what we get on kids about when they write is like more words are actually worse you just don't want to have words to have words and dudes like jordan peterson um they take so much time in figuring out how to articulate it, not only to like win the conversation because that's their whole fucking job is to like, be like, dude, I've thought this out. You can't beat me. This is a clear argument. You're going to have to take me 82 levels deep to maybe find something that I can say, yeah, it's a half inch off. Um, But if you don't have those conversations, if you're the dude that's alone in your own head, iron sharpens iron, you never get challenged, you never have to interject, you never have to read a body cue to figure out the way I'm wording this, I've lost them. So clearly I'm too wordy. Either I need to do something with my tone or I need to do something with my word choice or I need to do something with my analogy to keep them locked in. So for you, it really just started with one-on one, and then isn't that like a law, the powers of two, where one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes sixteen? Was it something gradual like that for you where oh, yeah, I got the confidence with one and now your group just grows? It was that simple?
1: I, I felt like I felt like it was kind of like that. Yeah, no, no she saying like that. I feel like it was I look back. I feel like it was like that, and I feel like I'm still scratching the surface. Um, because I found that, you know, you talk about writing, and you know, I found um a friend Clamont, and um really got me on a habit of journaling. Um my mentor trend like really got me how to habit of journaling. And when I when I'm able to express my thoughts into words and um it's coming out, it's like, wow, like then I can talk better. I feel like it's that hierarchy of belief, yet again, like thoughts into words and words into actions, like that progression just the more I do it, the clearer and more, articulate it becomes. And I feel like my pain of when I was younger, when I had this surgery, nobody, nobody can understand me. And even sometimes now, like I'll have to repeat things twice, so people can really like just get adjust to the frequency of my voice. Like, okay, like wow. I people will say all the time, like, yo, like bro, I never understood you growing up, but after <laughs> I knew you for some time, like I can finally understand what you're saying. It's like an accent. Uh, Right, 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 and um, for me, it's like the more I write, the more I practice and talking. I, I want to be understood because the pain of not being understood when I was younger felt felt like hell. It was mm. it was torment. Cause like, yo, what can I do? Do I need to draw like stick figures and pictures and use text to speech apps? Um, because communication is just so essential. I feel like everybody at their core wants to be understood. And they want to be felt.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. It's it's terrible for a kid who's trying to learn their identity that they don't get to bounce what they're thinking off of others to help them figure out if that identity should be theirs or not. Because most people, why are you trying to find the identity? It's like, what does it do to others? Right? Like, I can be a smart ass as long as I'm not completely isolating myself. So if I go too far into being a smartass, then it's like, whoa, all right, tone it back, Sean. Right? And that's basically what adolescence is, is whatever you feel you want to be, you start testing and pinging radar off and when the signal comes back, you know, okay, that's my lane. But if you can't ever ping out, that's a terrible place to be.
1: It's a terrible a kid, place to be. For a kid. That's I going to get think. ostracized like, and, and just become like um yeah it 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 sucks it sucks i feel like i've always been trying to find that balance of like am i an introvert am i an extrovert and i think if you come back to energy if i'm around energy words people can understand me and that the vibe is there the, the engagement is there it my whole self comes out like i i can be as open as i want to and it's 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 an amazing feeling. I was in there's a word in, in the English dictionary that I can describe that feeling. I feel like it's 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 eudaimonic.
0: Wait, dude, are you so I just um with my daughter today, I've downloaded the wrong app. I thought, and this is a terrible um <laughs> I was looking at my phone to think of what the fucking app is called. This is <laughs> this is when I'm um, old man Sean. I wanted to do Wordle and I didn't realize Wordle was like on the New York Times website so i have Uh, word challenge which is some fucking wordle knockoff that's an app (laughs) that's probably stealing my whole identity right now like wherever people people in whatever country invented it now know everything about me right and are currently listening to this conversation because they have access to (laughs) it as well but like the 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 word you just used i can't even spell i don't even know the syllables in it and i love when um,
1: it's uh, you, it, it, I think it's derived from the Greek word eudaimonia. It's like the, the almost like the counterpart to, to he, to he, hedonism. Really? Yeah, it's, it's like word pleasure is derived from. Like hedonistic pleasures or hedonistic pleasure or hedonism is derived from like from like more sensual pleasures or materialistic things. And I feel like eudaimonia or or I don't even know how to say eudaimonism. Maybe is derived from like, um, from like more of like an intellectual or or a purpose driven type of pleasure. Jesus, I, I, think, I think, think in my in my own words, that's the best way I can describe it. By the way, I used to always like E A U or E A U <laughs> D A I
0: M O N. Well, I swear, I'm not trying to call you out, dude, because I just started with a U. Like I'm going to Google it after this shit. And I always just said like wordsmith to describe that was how that was my word with everything you just said. Like I I seriously get, I I don't know if it's an erotic or a hedonistic pleasure, but I'm going to have to like check myself next time. But I just fucking enjoy wordplay. In conversation. That's, that's,
1: I feel like that, that's eudaimonia.
0: Like I'm two levels below freestyling if that makes sense because I can't keep the rhythm but I feel like I can just fucking roll yeah. but I the, the rhythm always evaded me but again I never tried to like do the whole rapper thing or whatever but like people have been like the way you speak and the way you just fucking roll with shit like you just enjoy if, I, if we know if we say the sky's blue, you're going to be like the sky's green just to fucking be like the dude that says the sky's green to see if you can convince us that the sky is green. And then once we think the sky's green, you're going to flip it and be like, no, it was blue the whole time. Because like, I've never, I didn't know that was an actual, like you made it sound like a clinical term.
1: Uh, I think that's like the punch buggy syndrome coming back again.
0: It might be dude. I love it. Yeah. I, I love the word. Um, Dude, let's get into the the book Um, because it's really cool when people try to write books. I've tried to write two. I got half a page and I was out. I (laughs) mind fucked myself, man. I really did. Like I had too many ideas. I don't think I planned it well enough. I got overwhelmed by the totality of how do I keep this going? And when the way you're talking about stories and the vision you have, I'm curious about just Basically, like, not so much how it got started, but how's the plan for it going?
1: It's It's been an iterative process, to say the, the least. Like, I, I have, like, six previous drafts, and um, no I was, shit. like, a low-key perfectionist on this. Cause I was like, oh, if this is something I want to do, and I feel like this is my purpose in life. I want to get it right on the first go-around. And that was, that was a terrible, terrible mindset to adopt. Pressure. I would tell the mindset I operate off at that time. It's taken me a long time to really transition from this is a a draft process. Like I'm rewriting about 60 drafts until like I'm ready to send it, send it out to an editor, and then I'm going to go I have to go back at it again. So <laughs> it's really been transforming me as a person. Like this perfectionist, my perfectionist shell has been decaying and dying from the inside out, and it's like mm-hmm. I've become comfortable with like. Doing things again, and again, and again, because I I come from a I I, I love technology, um, and I'm I'm really in a phase where I'm trying to become more comfortable with blending the other hemisphere of my brain and going from technical to creative has been a has been a challenge for me, but yes. it's like it's it's happening. I see the progress of it. Um, how it started was I was reading The Alchemist. Uh, right in the, like, right around April 2020 um, after the launch of the, you know, pandemic. And it, after I read it, I learned how to listen to my own heart. And before I read The Alchemist, I probably thought, like, this is a bunch of, like, cliche, media, Disney-driven, you know, BS. Listen to your heart, like, that's, no a bunch of, yeah, it's BS. After I read the book, I was like, oh, shit, like, this is this is real. Like, you can actually listen to your heart. And I spent about three days like trying to listen to what my heart was trying to tell me about my, my past and about the soul of the world in different terms, going from the book, the novel, The Alchemist, uh, from Paula Coelho. And my 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 heart t- opened up and taught me about, you know, my past dreams I had when I was a kid that I wanted, about how I would draw up and venture and how I would, you know, have all these different ideas and thoughts. that so I wanted to go to MIT. And um, I would, I would have like a notebook full of inventions, I had no idea where it went. But it was like, wow, that was my dream at one point in time along the way. As I got sophisticated in, you know, society like really pulled me into my adolescence, pulled me in. I lost sight of my dream. It was like I forgot about it. As life happened, you know, we forget about our natural inclinations that we ran to when we were kids without fear of failure, That's with another... full passion and steam ahead. And Alchemist, you know, helped me to connect me back to that that first love that I had um, along with some other things. And It was like, it was like this whole transformative process. That summer I'm working at IBM and I meet Clement and here where he's teaching me and a group of others, like how to file our patents. It's like, you know, this, this can't be, this can't be crazy. Like this, this can't be coincidence. And again, going back to the law of attraction, like I felt like I attracted that into my life. Some people could say, oh, no, it was like, you know, pure coincidence that it happened for me. I feel like yeah, I, I attracted that into my life. And it was like, I feel like I can mean, we're all inventors, but in a metaphysical sense, like we're inventors of our, our minds hmm. and we, we can invent our own thoughts. And we can invent our own thoughts, become our own reality through that hierarchy of belief. And I've been—it's like okay, like all right. Now I have now I have philosophy to go off of. How do I construct? How do I construct the story? And I just to ask questions. I've ever seen like Avatar: The Last Airbender.
0: I have not. I think I might have seen the trailer. <laughs> Bunch uh, of shaved head kids.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: That's that's about as far as I go.
1: <laughs> that's as you, deep you as I have. have. Any favorite work of fiction beer, book, movie, uh, TV series? Just any fiction?
0: I don't want to hide any that fiction. You. Um and for some reason, I don't know why, I've been recommending it to kids at Animal Farm that I just read. Um, but although like with Netflix, Cobra Kai has been um tickling me lately. <laughs>
1: I, I even use animal farm as an example. I think George Orwell is just a literary genius in how he's able to take something so trivial like animals building their own society, and you having that moment like, wait a minute, this is what he was talking about with 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 Boxer the, the the horse like this this is this is the message he was trying to relay. But he was like 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 in the Bible like it's it's like it's hidden in this puzzle of, of, of literary, uh, of just like literary of dialogue and like, yeah, elements, man.
0: Cause there's 30 characters and who knows what character you're going to connect with and grab what message with.
1: And I feel like that's so powerful. I'm like, this is the epitome of what I want to do. Like, I want to become an author. I want to, I want to do this. Like this gets me high off of life. Like reading things like this and discovering and, like, uncovering the philosophy and getting to set these messages and, and the dialogue is like, whoa, what the fuck? So <laughs> when I read The Alchemist, it was like, I want to do this. But how can I tell it in my own way from, like, my background? Like, what, 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 um, what, what, when did I break out my my own mold and how did I do it? Um, And how do I tell it through, like, an engaging story that's, that's like full of adventure that goes along, you know, the, the hero's journey. How do I collect? How do I connect these two? My, my love for philosophy and like storytelling abilities together. And like I've been, I grew up, you know, playing games like Pokemon and like watching anime and like diving into different cartoons. And I, I spent a lot of time like dissecting those shows and like how the writers um, and the authors brought those elements together. I'm like, I'm just amazed and blown away. Like, this is what I want to do.
0: Is that what you want to, did you go to college to be a writer? What was your major? I
1: did. I went to to college for uh, computer science. Yeah, right. uh, Switched switched to engineering, switched back to computer science and switched to business. And um, it's like, wow, I want to blend both these elements together. Like not only the writing side, but if we pull back and zoom out, like also the tech side too. What do you,
0: so I thought of two things. Number one, no wonder the perfection fucks with you. Like, cause if you're an engineer, (laughs) right? Like it's all about, if you don't have perfection, you're fucked. And Elon's done things like, no, I want rockets to blow up because then we're testing the limits of our perfection, right? Like type shit. So, but that would fuck with me if my whole educate, not my whole, but your educational career was about like function. And now all of a sudden my story isn't functional and it's like, ah, abort, abort, abort. Hey. Like the robot that just starts tweaking out. Um, but that was me. Yeah, right? Dude, I, I, I can imagine because I wasn't educated like that. And me as a writer of basic emails or even this podcast, if I um, um, cold email advertisers, I'm still not confident in my wording when I present. I just have to hit send. I'm like, fuck it, man. Like I can't. I I can't dude. I can't, I just need send go. Let's see what happens and I'll learn from it. So like I, I get that aspect, but what I don't get is the, does the love of story is as simple as your story, love and the hero's journey. Is that just an anime vibe from you? Cause you're I think it is an
1: anime vibe. Um, and it's also like, it's, it's where I grew inspiration from. Like what, what kind of, I've, I took some time to write down, like what things inspire me while I was growing up and watching animes like, like Naruto, um, Dragon Ball Z and Bleach, so this, this can go on forever. But it was like, what inspired me so much by that person? It was like, he had qualities that I had in me and some that I, like, I could see myself, you know, sometimes evoking, but this character went with it all the way and did something like that he set out to do. It's like, yo, I I'm, wanna I'm do that too. Um, and then it's like, getting to, when each character is like explaining their own philosophy, it's like, wow, that's that's a dope lesson. Like I've never, what else would I have learned this lesson if these characters had not had this conflict and not had this resolution? Like that's, that's such a a, a a great message and lesson. And I'm, I'm attracted to life lessons. Um, and I'm also, I'm all about like challenging lessons too, like challenging maxims and challenging things that I was growing up on and things that I, I read and, um, and I hear and learn. It's like, I want to challenge those two. Is How can I tell that in a story where it's like, it's taboo to, to be curious in a world where it's taboo to ask questions or it's, or it's taboo to invent.
0: Oh, so you went dystopian. So as soon as you said that I went with the giver Lois Lowry, are you familiar nope. with that? I sure okay, dude. Yeah. Classic middle school teacher, right? Like some, you in school have to read that because it's, why do you question? Everything's fine. Everything's perfect. So um, I'm curious, like when you said you started analyzing your own philosophies, are those the themes? Is that what drove your stories? Are you developing characters and antagonists in order to show specific <clears throat> themes? Is that what the... Genesis was for you the theme you wanted I, to show
1: out. It was um yeah it was first like I first I was just, like developing a protagonist and then a protagonist changed you know it was like I'm not getting anywhere with this character like I I felt like I've I've hit a wall and then um I was at like a close friend of mine's house and um it was like I was reading the sign of a little and sign said zenith uh, zenith loop I was like what is that mean? Like, I've heard that somewhere, but I don't know what it means. Old looking school
0: TVs, man. Zeniths. Those were like the cheap TVs back in the day, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. You've never heard of Zeniths for a TV? No, I've never heard of it. I can't wait for you to tell me what it means. Cause I have no idea. But like, <laughs> those were the TVs back in the day.
1: So Zenith has a couple different meanings. Um, it comes from the, the, etymology is derived from, from Arabic. Um, it comes from, from their culture. And zenith means the the point above an observer so right now we're on planet earth and if we if we zoom out of ourselves and zoom out zoom out some more look at like we're at as an observer like where i'm sitting at right now or you um in delaware the point right above you if you were to draw a line um that just went straight up that would be your your zenith and also in a, in a metaphorical sense, it's also like the height or the peak of someone's life or, or your day. There um, is. and I was like, wow, like,
0: Oh, dude, that's terrible. Thing. I'm sorry to cut you off, but like fucking imagine if TV is the height or peak of your day, what a <laughs> terrible company, dude. No fucking wonder kids are on phones all the time. Cause in the eighties, the Zenith of your day was coming home and watching <laughs> NBC. Holy shit. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I mean, but like, sorry. like, dude, you start putting some stuff together. It's like, oh my God, that is some red pill stuff. Like, right? Man, we're getting programmed. I'm sorry. I don't want to take you. No, no, no. no. About you're you're, Philippe, good. you're but like,
1: good. I love these. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it can get pretty crazy. And then now, on the opposite <laughs> is your nadir. And so it's, your nadir is the, the point below the observer. And so for us, that would probably be like, australia and you, that line can keep going down and your nadir can be you know also like the lowest or the you know right that valley of someone else's someone someone's life or of of a thing like when something sucks or is that it's like most bottom point called the nadir and i was like what if i constructed characters around these names the same way like how you have spongebob squarepants being a a sponge in the sea, or Sandy Cheeks being a squirrel. Like, what if I could take that and use these characters as these? Have them personify these traits, dude. That was dude. like,
0: oh shit! Oh my god, like, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, dude, but um, fuck. Much Afraid. Have you heard of the book Much Afraid? I have heard of it. What's it about? Oh, uh, dude, and I I don't mean to cut you off. I had to look it up, and I'm sorry because I normally don't do this. I'm trying to do this on my. F- Phone. I might be, it might be not the book. Hind's Feet on High Places. I'm sorry. The main character is called Much Afraid. Hind's Feet on High Places. On High Places. Novel by Hannah Hurd. 1955. It's Christian fiction. But basically, Hind's Feet or Much Afraid is the main character. And guess what the main character's main trait is? They're fucking fearful of everything and it's nothing but this character personifying and every time and I don't remember any of the specifics as evident by the fact that I didn't even remember the title, but it was awesome because it's so concrete yet so abstract. It's like you're meeting it's almost like seven with Brad Pitt where it's like, oh, this is sloth And like the body's dead and you're like, why why is this sloth? Oh, why is this gluttony? Oh. It's gluttony right there. So Much Afraid mm. deals with personified elements of salvation and what keeps you from salvation. So like Much Afraid will deal with greed and they personify greed and make greed a character. And it's a super cool concept, man. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, I, love, I love the fact, I love books like that because it makes very complex things simplistic.
1: That and that's why I loved about anime with anime. It was like these characters that had these names or these traits or these powers, they that became their personality. And like I got to see it and hear it in another language in, in Japanese, um, voices with English subtitles. Like, wait a minute, like this is this is cool. And like now I found myself coming back to it and like, is this where I get my inspiration from? Like, in digging. Hyper analyzing the characters in that writer, and in an often like, how did they construct these elements? Because I want to do the same thing for my characters, in a way that's that hasn't been done before. And then it was like, when I was writing, the, when I was writing the drafts, it was like, huh, okay. The main character is going to be trapped underneath, you know, a thing of ice because he's been frozen for a hundred years. I was like, wait a minute, Avatar did that. It was like, wait a minute, Captain America did that. I was like, fuck. D- different storylines or intros I'll come up with. I'm Like, wait a minute. They did, that. They, did that. They, did that. they did that. They did that.
0: Yeah, you're inundated it's, with storylines in our culture.
1: And it's it's like it's absolutely insane. I'm like, I just had to come up to point like, okay, nothing's new is under some I want to be as original as I can. Um, how can I, you know, create like an empire like George Lucas, Lucas did with, with Star Wars that now has like millions of fans all over the world, or like um, or like Suzanne Collins did with Hunger Games. Or like um uh I forgot the woman who, who wrote Harry Potter, I forgot her oh, name. J. K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling doing Harry Potter. It's like I wanna be like them and like maybe I might not get it my first try. Maybe I might buy the how you know, to discard this perfectionist shell of me. But maybe that can be a, a flaw that my main character has, you know, throughout the storyline. It has to shut. Um, so it's it's been like it's been a journey. I realized if on a pursuit is, this, have to pursue this full-time I'm, along with another uh venture that I'm trying to start at parallel to writing this novel.
0: Full-time, like you're you consider yourself a full-time writer? Full-time. No way. Dude, what does a full-time writer do all day aside from day drink? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, I roll coffees um, in the morning. <laughs> and then it just gets worse yeah, from there.
1: In the beginning it was like it was it was rough. Just trying to set that perfectionist shell, trying to find which time I wrote best. Seeing that I don't write comfortably from home, like I have to get out. I didn't need to be in a like at a at a cafe to write where it's like there's obvious noise, but whereas distractions are are very are very few and very subtle. Um I have a lot of wasted time like, staring at the screen and avoiding the actual work. Like, the shirt I have on is, like, it says anything but the actual work. <laughs> and so now I wear it as like, as, like, a joke. Like, just remind myself, like, you gotta, gotta shed, shed that shell. Um, a lot of, for me, at least, a lot of, like, playing different video games I, like I did when I was a kid to just find different elements. Like, what what elements are am I attracted to about this storyline or in this RPG game. Um, just taking back into my childhood, for real, and just, like, like just shoveling up these, these old memories. I'm like, okay, this is what t- made me think about this. Just made me think about that. All right, I don't want to steal this completely, but this is it, a literary element I'm attracted to. How can I implement that in my own story? Um, listen to different interviews. And guys like, like, uh, like Stephen King and... Um, the guy that uh the guy that directed the Titanic,
0: um James Cameron. Avatar.
1: James Cameron, yeah, listening to them talk and like, okay, this is what you mean by I I can relate to you because I'm going through the same pain point right now. Like this is how I get over it. Okay, it's like it's it's a whole bunch of zigzag. I don't think any of it is like set in motion. But now it's finally getting down to like, okay, this is all right, best. Some authors do a great job at outlining some other offers, like Stephen King, do a great job of just writing and and going with it. Um, and uh, it's like, okay, like every there's no one way they do go about this, but I realized with myself, like in any endeavor I've gotten into, I've become successful at or gained confidence in, I need to do this every single day. I need to be working on this every single day, or else I'm gonna lose my momentum. I'm gonna get mad and frustrated to have worked on it it's gonna be a self it's, it's like the, it's gonna be a loop of hell where i don't get anything done purgatory so um, yeah and then now it's like since i'm full-time and i bought myself time it's like all right i have 10 months to to finish my first actual manuscript and draft
0: no can i and I'm back. dude and again so sorry to cut you off man but, but like good. that and i have no idea if you have or not but the romanticized American let me go backpack in Europe for a year and take off a college type trip. The fact that you just said, I bought myself 10 months to write a novel. What a fucking great way to just like, are you a writer? Am I not? Is this something I'm into? Am I right. not? What will I get into? Am I not? Who fucking cares? I'm young enough to just have done it and to like live through it. I think is so cool, man. I don't think that's a risk and that's the, manifestation and thought and goal setting, that probably leads to a lot of unhappiness and resent. Because now all of a sudden you're 45 and you regret the fact that early on in life, you never took blank amount of time to just see, could this fucking be? And even if you quote unquote fail, is it a failure if you've enjoyed the experience and you've learned from it and it makes you who you are and you get to be the dude that has some failed novel that whatever one person fucking bought and it was my mom. Right. And you're just like, but that's cool, man. Cause I have something and it's a story like there's no lose to it in my eyes. I like, like it's really, I feel like that's super admirable that more people, if they find that passion of theirs, Figure a way to pursue it. Like, why else are you here? But to pursue that passion and to see, right. is that your passion? Because if it's not Hero's Journey, you're probably going to get turned around and you'll find the other damsel you're supposed to save, the other quest you're supposed to conquer.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, that it it's hits my soul. And I was, when I was at, um after I graduated, and I was working at Microsoft. I was like, I thought this was it. When I was 12 years old, in, in eighth grade or seventh grade, I thought I want to be the next CEO of Microsoft. And somehow, throughout my goals changing throughout my every 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 year, I had never goal, never dreamed that I aspired to set. And while I was there, I was like, "This isn't really where what I want anymore." Like I, this is this is cool. I love technology, but like this isn't it. Like Microsoft is moving too slow for me. Not to sound condescending. Or disrespectful any type of way. It was just like this is not fulfilling what I want. And I realized if I can't get this from a job I'm like I think I have to create the job myself um, and put my like get. I need to put myself out in the arena and see what I'm actually made of. And I I went ahead and like I've been trying to trying to oh I'm getting there like of um, speaking in a, the, the speech or poem by uh, Theodore Roosevelt the man in the arena every day because i feel like i'm in i'm there right now like how does how does it go um it goes it's not the man that stumbles nor points nor the man that points out um it's not the man who falls or the man who points out a strong man who stumbles um the credit actually belongs to the man in arena um who who sweats who who's dang i'm not getting there right but it's, it's the man, it's the man arena that I've, I feel like I'm living, I'm, I'm in that stage right now, my own hero journey, I'm there right now.
0: The fact, dude, and I, I don't know, man, I, again, as a teacher, not to take you back to seventh grade, the amount of names and literature you've brought up alone is enough for you to fuck up some poem right? Like the <laughs> fact that like you're bringing, I, I hadn't even heard of it to be honest. I wrote it down. Cause I'm like, dude, that sounds dope. Like maybe next year for our basketball team, we're going to start every fucking practice with like, yo, this is our pledge of allegiance. Cause one thing again, not to make it about me, but make it about the youth that I've noticed about lack of confidence is kids are scared to be the man in the arena with social media. They're fucking petrified of the comment. They're petrified to put themselves out there. They're petrified of, Be instantaneous feedback that doesn't allow them to seek their identity. I can't try to be a step back jump shooter because as soon as I miss one, I'm a fucking bum and I'll never take another one where maybe you need a whole season of you being a step back jump shooter to realize you're terrible, but it shouldn't be on the first one. You should have multiple, you should come to that conclusion on your own. It should not be the others that make you feel that way it should be self-realization because then you'll be at peace and you'll accept what comes from you not being a step-back jump shooter. You'll accept that, yo, if I want to play basketball, all I got to do is set screens and rebound. that That's who I am if I want to be this guy. And that's my role in this moment. And that's a terrible role to be in if you think you are. Again, step-back jump three. But you can't let the crowd make that happen to you. So the fact that you're doing that um again is just a next level of like motivation of intuition dude that that, that shouldn't inspire me I, I I grabbed a sticky note i was like fuck man let me google that thing
1: <laughs> it's, it's an amazing poem and, and thank you too and there's there's a last stanza of that speech or poem um some people call it because it, it was originally a speech but i feel like it's a it's a poem to me like it, it hits it hits my soul you know the last stanza goes um Ah, uh, like oh, man, I, I get it all you know, up, but it's like neither be with those souls who, who neither know victory nor defeat, and it's like wow, like I don't want to be. Oh, oh man, this is live too.
0: <laughs> no, it's not live, man. But it'll get posted as is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> dude, don't, dude, do not feel bad. Again, I had no idea about this and I'm looking it up on my phone. It's a fucking Roosevelt speech, April 23rd, 1910 gave what would widely become one of the most quoted speeches of his career. And here I am as an educator that I have no idea about it. Um, who is best known? Yeah. So it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles nor where the doer of deeds could have done them better. That's so fucking good. Or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. I'm buying this fucking thing. Who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, who because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those Whose cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Fuck me, light a cigarette. So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory nor defeat. Bro, you just made me, that's our fucking mantra. I'm buying that. Yo, I got a $400 budget. And I'm blowing that bitch up. I'm painting a whole fucking wall with that thing, man. That's like some Russell Crowe gladiator type Mel Gibson. They may take our lives, but never take our freedom. When you break that down, damn, how have I not known? How do I not know about fucking Frederick Douglass's biography till I'm 40? How do I not know about this fucking speech till I'm on a podcast with you, man? What the fuck? That those that's amazing words, and that shit's driving you. Like, like I, I'm, people, I'm sweating just dude, right people now. People won't be you able to see like, you, man. You were like you were going. I caught you side eyed. Like it, it's it hypes you up, <laughs> dude. That's awesome. You write with that passion. That's fucking awesome.
1: Thank you, thank you. And it, poetry is something I discovered um, in middle school too. But yeah, we keep going back to middle school. They're formative, dude. Dude,
0: middle school, the smartest man I work with, shout out John Gaws Freezy G, 61 years old, fucking man bun, and he is that dude. The dude you want just fucking teaching your kids. He's like, yo, why, why do we ever think this? Middle school, they're just trying to find their tribe. All they want to do is be exposed to a bunch of shit, see what sticks, see what sticks to their soul. and They want to find, by the time they leave middle school, we've done our job. If, They have found their tribe. Not that they forced their way into one, but they have found their tribe. And I think what you're saying by going back to middle school is you just want to spray kids with shit. And if it connects, did your job, dude. It's that simple. I I honestly think like psychologically formative wise, man, that's why you keep, sorry. But again, like that's maybe why you keep going back there is like, that's the point of that age.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right, you're you're spot on. It was exactly at that age, and so, there, there's so many more poems, but that one, it it hits like I feel like I'm right there, like I'm the man in the arena, like I'm setting up my own boxing matches. It's time, it's life, it's these different challenges I set for myself because I know I want to grow. Like I want to I want to write this novel and put it out there for the world. I want to help at least one kid. Like to me, it was like if I get a letter from one kid or from one person just saying it changed their, changed their life for them, I'd be, I think I feel like I could die peacefully. And i want like, I want to start my, my startup, like working in NFTs and literature and combining those two together and doing something new that nobody has done before, like, and getting just to to blend both hemispheres of my brain. Like, that's the arena for me. It's mm. like like boxing and weaving. And then my love for, for Rocky Balboa and like, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get in and keep moving forward. Like that's mm. how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's not wanting is done. Like I feel like I'm there right now. And when I was at Microsoft, like I felt my heart was just crying out because it was like, this is this is not you. You know exactly what you want to do. Corporate. Why are you man. admitting it?
0: Corporate, right? Corporate. Some people, and again, if that's you, that's cool, man. Some people want those parameters because they find that success elsewhere. But I, I whatever, 30 minutes in me being a fucking doctorate of education. Like I diagnosed you with like, you need, you need to have your creativity embraced and just see where it fucking goes. That's (laughs) I'm I'm not trying to make you make sure you have 13 files filed within 20 (laughs) minutes, right? Like I don't need 700 lines of code from you per hour, man. I need you to like just fucking tinker with shit and let me know where
1: your mind goes. Oh man, I it's it's such a frightening yet savory place to be because for so long I was frightened by the unknown, and I was like I try to list out different scenarios in my head, being the the technological perfectionist. Like, what would happen if I did this? And it was like it it would just keep going with spiral. Nothing would get done in like three different scenarios until um, I had breakfast with my friend Corey, and Corey was just, was just like, you know, it's all about do you have the balls? To just take the leap of faith i'd write about the unknown i'd write about faith i'd write different poems and it was like it was leaking out of me that i wanted to take this but i didn't know what was gonna happen it was like that a leap of faith is not as scary as we think it
0: because you want to right i feel like most we're fucking survivors man we evolved we're here, dinosaurs aren't. Like, fuck a comet. Apparently, we dealt with the comet or we got through with the comet where there were a microbe or a fucking tadpole, whatever the horseshoe, like, whatever we were, we got through it because we meet challenges. We want that smoke. <laughs> For some smoke. reason, people want that smoke, dude. And, like, whatever that is, if we can embrace that and not feel... Fear And again, man, like that's what I'm noticing, which sucks is like people limit themselves for fear of criticism. And it's like, oh it, it, is your mom going to be like on you about that? Like, cause she's what matters, right? She was formative. Are your mentors going to be on you about taking this risk and you putting in solid effort and applying good skills towards your dream? No. So if somebody fucking comments and was like, "Yo, your story is shit," that's gonna mean something to you, no? Right? Oh. You're the man in the arena, dude. He didn't have the fucking balls to be in the arena, bitch. Keep chirping from the sidelines. That's right, why you're right. there, cause you don't have the guts. Like, that's the mentality that people wanna be. Like, you wanna embrace. You wanna embrace that, cause that leads to creative
1: risks. And then that's that's the person that we always been attracted to like growing up timid and growing up shy watching naruto and watching him like do these crazy things and just having the guts and to just like like saying like he wouldn't go back on his word and he would stay true to his way It over and over and over and over again some people like find it like irritating i was like yo this is inspiring like he stuck to his guns principle i want to do that same thing and now it's like what lesson can I teach to most of my book like what's the what's on the back that people read to get them interested in buying it and I feel like it's it's all about going into the unknown to fulfill your dreams and challenging these these pre these pre-notion maxims that you know has been set in place traditionally like challenge those and how do you challenge this through your curiosity like questions are like a sword every time you ask a question like you're cutting Think through the layers of of mold that's been placed upon you, then you're free. Every time you ask a question, like every questions are what break through the mold. It's like it's that it's that um, it's it's, it's like not the conduit. It's it's the it's the what it is the enzyme going to? It's the um, it's not coming to me. But it's like it's it it breaks everything else apart.
0: Do you, I? I- I would have helped you, but I was writing down questions or like a sword that break through because I'm going to start saying that shit, man. Like, cause that's what you want from kids. Quit being fucking scared to ask a question. Like that, yes. that's your sword attacked. Like you got this fog in your head, cut through that shit, man. Like questions are a machete. However, like whatever the analogy is, you need to work through... Like tighten that up and get that in your book, man. Cause that's a powerful fucking visual. If a Thank kid you. reads your book, seriously, and I've not heard that before. Like literally I, all I do is talk to kids about books all day and a variety of books that they read on their own. Not that I've side. So individual children pick individual books on sixth, seventh and eighth grade, five different levels. And I've spent three years talking to kids about what they read. I've never heard questions are like a sword. So that, that visual is so empowering to a kid, especially the formative kids that you're talking about, work that shit in somehow, man. Cause that idea you got going is yeah, it, it's, that's empowering to a kid to take risks and to think, right? That's what you want. Don't regurgitate Bro, yeah, That's exactly what I want. Think man, think and like battle, slice, fight for knowledge, dude. Your questions are a sword. Fight for knowledge. Your questions are a sword. You know, something. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you how to write because you're a good writer. You're a good at work. Thank you. <laughs> but like, that, that's what I'm like. Dude, fight for not. If you're fighting for knowledge, what do you fight with? Questions. They're your sword. You know, like, I don't know. I like that shit.
1: I've, I've looked back, Sean. I've looked back and I was like, every time a change starts, it starts with a question. Why are things the way they are? Right. Why is the system set up this way? Like we we're talking about earlier with the school system, like why? Like something the, the, the why is is always it's it's always like that. It's it's that solve it. Like it's the why. Like that's how dude. change starts every time. <laughs> Last year I started a When in clubhouse the app was popping, uh, I it was like a, a <laughs> is that
0: still on? Like post COVID and everybody's out. Are, I, people people told me about Clubhouse and I was like, dude, I don't know. Like is that still going on, or is now that everybody's out, it's over?
1: I feel like Twitter Spaces took over. Okay. Oh uh, no, honestly, um, and I, I really haven't, I haven't used it, so like my my phone I automatically like uninstalled it from my from my <laughs> app store or whatever. But um, I would host weekly and monthly discussion calls called Ascension Questions, and there are like I I gathered about I want to say a good thirty questions. From different people, notable people throughout history. These are writers, these are entertainers, creators, um, singers, um, edit, like celebrities, like or, or philosophers. I've gathered questions that, like for me, break through the mold. And one of my favorites is one from um, the author of, of Mindset, Carol S. Dweck, and she one that's like I, I, I keep in the forefront of my mind all the time is she asks why here i go about this it up again it's all right why continue to try it and true instead of experiences that will stretch you and that's maybe question like is this in my comfort zone or is this my challenge zone or like i'm gonna get growth or my comfort zone where i already know the outcome because i want to go to the challenge zone where i'm going to grow and it's Every time I'm at uh, like at a crossroad or a fork in the road, I ask myself that like, question.
0: Dude, the the fork in the road analogy is so interesting because honestly, it leads me, and I use the Robert Frost um poem uh fuck and I'll I'll fuck it up just not intentionally, but somewhat intentionally to make you feel better. Um, two roads diverge. so like the two roads poem, and I forget the title, but like two roads diverged in the yellow woods, and I, I took the left, I took the path less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. So it's a four stanza, four line poem by Robert Frost, and it, wow. it, it, the way you just said it is, I don't think a fork. Most people think of a fork as both paths going forward, but I honestly think the fork in the road can somehow mind fuck us into. The path that we're uncomfortable with would be a path forward. The path we're comfortable with doesn't go forward. It fucking loops. And because the loop is so long, it takes you that long to get back to the opportunity for growth to when you're faced with the choice. So like Neo taking the blue and the red pill, it might've taken him fucking 20 years to circle back to that moment to when he could break free. And you can think you're going forward because the path has all these bushes, all these shrubs. And you're like, I'm making progress. I'm walking, I'm active. But really you're circling back to the true fork in the road. And that's what your analogy took me to was like, you're at that moment of growth well, or comfort. The moment of comfort's just going to put you on a treadmill. You're actually not going to get
1: anywhere. That's it for me, and it's it's funny you you bring up the fork again because I wrote a poem called "The Fork," and it was inspired by uh, by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, that's that's gotta be like my favorite philosopher of all time. Um, just it, just dope dope guy. I I love I love his persona. Love love his demeanor. I wish you he were here today. Uh, just like so I could, like talk to him. And if there's like one person I could talk to. Finish, I wish it was like I wish it was um, Emerson. But he, I forgot which quote inspired me to write the poem. It was something about like taking the path less traveled. And I'm gonna check out that that poem by Robert Frost too, because I haven't ever read it yet until or heard about it until today. But um it inspired me to write write The Fork. And once I wrote the fork and I put it out there publicly, I was like, I feel like I'm owning this. I feel like the fork for me is like the path, like not even a path, but like somewhere. In the in the forest where there is no path, oh, that's what Rob. That's what Emerson said. Emerson said, "Don't go where there is a path. Go, <sighs> go to where there is no trail and leave a path." I think, dude. Well,
0: if not, he should have. That sounds good. Go where there is no trail. Leave a path.
1: And I I wrote like I, I took my feelings and that poem being back of my mind. I wrote. A poem for it. Not, not sure if you want to hear it or not, but it's like it's 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 one of my favorites that I've I've written. Um,
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, dude, we're fucking three hours in. We might as well get deep. Do you need a second to pull it up or? Oh, I got ready. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. you've not. um, <laughs> I, and you said you had checking out a couple episodes. Did you get? Did you scroll down to the um, Darby episode of my podcast? She's pretty recent.
1: I didn't get to it. I what, what was it about?
0: So she's a philosopher. She calls herself, and if you're on Twitter, she, you would love to follow her. She's a night nurse, so basically she stays yeah. up all night reading and reading philosophy and fucking writing poems and shit. Like she's dope as hell. Like it was a three and a half hour conversation, but she ended and I'm not saying you're going to end the pod, but she ended the pod with a poem that she wrote to her father and then broke it out. And that's part of the amazing part. I really thought when I was um, messaging you, we were going to talk about fucking Bitcoin and like your (laughs) tech jobs and shit like that, dude. And not that it's shit. I shouldn't say it's shit in a dismissive way, but like I had no idea it would get like deep like this, dude. So all that to set up absolutely. fucking lutely if you have some sort of poem that you wrote, I love that shit. Like, that's that's the whole point of getting to know you.
1: I got you. I got you. Yeah, I, I love NFTs and crypto, but my heart, using Emerson again, like, trust thyself. every heart vibrates to that iron string. My heart vibrates to this subject the most. Like, I, I could get all technical, but I feel like, you'd be learning a subject which is dope and resourceful and knowledgeable, but you wouldn't really be get, getting to know me. Yeah. Like I feel like this, this is where my heart lies. My passion is like kind of like in that tech space.
0: Yeah. Right. dude. These are your thoughts. These are your feelings. These are your perspectives. And because I'm trying to get better at setting shit up, this is your poem. I tried. I don't know if that's professional or not, but I felt like that was a decent little cycle. uh,
1: That was smooth. Okay. (laughs) It goes, um, the fork, the fork approaches my way ahead. It asks a question with no voice. It, It offers two options that are proven. It leaves me be to make one choice. Looking left, I see a path promising peace. The road to the right rejoices in delight. Imagination yearns beyond concern, instinct wrestles between fight or flight, to play it safe and drop desire, or to fan out the fire by indecision, trusting fully in thyself. I must act as if I have already manifested my vision. My blood begins dancing with excitement. My soul starts stepping in anticipation. There will be no going back, no room for regret. I choose to trek towards my own destination. I only hold on to hope. All outcome is out of my hands. The cost of fear now condescends by the seconds. I tell the fork that it too was trailed by two pioneers, both in pursuit of their own personal legends. Wow.
0: Wait, did I cut you off or is that the actual end? That's the... Dude. I'm sorry. I've really felt like I cut you off. Like that was a little oh, yeah. bit of a plot twist there at the end, dude. Wait, say, say it. Cause like the For last, sure. like four lines again, it was the fork in the road was preceded by.
1: Oh, Oh, the first one, the fork approaches my way ahead. It asks a question with no voice. No, no, it no, no. Offers...
0: The end, the end.
1: Oh, the end. I only hold on to hope. All outcome is out of my hands. The cost of fear now condescends by the seconds. I tell The Fork yeah. that it too was trailed by two pioneers, both in pursuit of their own personal legends. Love that.
0: In pursuit of their own personal legends. I, I don't even want to try to like interpret your poems because poems are so like personal and deep. No, for
1: sure. I, I feel like it's up for everybody has their own interpretation of but it. But that's the beauty so, yeah, of it, right? Like you.
0: that's the art. Like you paint something and then you like. People aren't on it. The fact that you fucking empowered the trails and then you like checked them. You were like, nah, bitch, you ain't the only trail. Right,
1: right. <laughs> I'm going up the trails like yeah. I'm going this way. Yeah, dude. Like, no, you were
0: like, you think you're the only fucking thing that got through the woods? Like, dude, I was, there was two of y'all back here that went through this same thing. You're fucking cyclical. Yes. Like that, I did not expect that at the end. That's why I was saying, read that again. I really like... I like that man. Thank you. I like that. Dude, yeah, if you have not read the Robert Frost two roads, it's it, it's not that it's similar, but it's that person at that fork in the road having that same debate but in a in a less aggressive way. <laughs>
1: yeah, for me it was like I'm definitely going to check that out. Like, it's, I, I can't wait. Dude, and I then... love the
0: aggression. I love the empowerment because it's like the person standing, in your poem, the person standing there feeling like the trails have the power and you're trying to be like, no, 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 I've got the power. I've already been through things. I've, I'm the one in control of the path. Though you might be the paths, I get to be which path I go on. And by me going on the path, I validate you <sighs> as a path. You have no power as a path without the path and passenger. So if I don't choose you by default, the fuck are you? <laughs> right. right. Like that, dude, that was fucking, that was cool, man.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That That's my favorite, like fair bone of all time. I wrote it two years ago or a year and a half ago. And for me, it was like, I was, I was at my internship at IBM and I was like, yo, I could continue along this path. That's like safe and secure. Or another path that looks that's like where I can coast in life and just you know be happy. But what would my what would happen to my soul? My soul would decay. Like it's it's like there's, there's another quote that goes, a ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. Like I felt mm, like that. And it's it's it was like, yo, like and then another another quote about ship, here we ships, um, was like, smooth seas never made a skilled sailor and i've i read that i like this planner that i got a few years back and every quarter i would get it it would have the same quotes and those quotes were like ingrained in my head so when i was writing this, this poem like it was pulling all my emotions out of me like there's two paths that i could follow but i already know the end result and it's like that'll be that'll be a nice safe way to live a life from somebody who came from poverty who watched you know family struggle it will be it'll be safe but and i could be happy but but would i really be fulfilled though will my blood be dancing with excitement that's what i want the most in life that means i gotta take this this leap of faith say fuck this fork i'm gonna go make my own path because two people already trotted you i want to go do my own thing
0: dude yeah i that's cool man And not to be too chauvinistic, but it's fucking, to me as a teacher, it's cool. And again, going back to like a little bit of representation, I think about the kids that um, I teach. Like, I don't think they get to see enough basketball coach. I'm very proud that I'm a reading specialist with a graduate degree and the dudes see me in the hallways. And if they're in my classes, I break down literature and I analyze characters And that's Mm. that next level of intellect, even if I can't be a true representation of the majority of basketball players who are on my team, the fact that you're willing to share poetry, like think about how many decades ago it'd be like your sexuality would be questioned because you wrote a poem. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's, (laughs) it's a very, it's a very, it's a much better place to be in where it's like the intellect and creativity is respected and you try to go down the journey with you on your thought process man like it takes a kid to like am i going to be the ship in the harbor am, am i going to choose a path am i going to be like dude i've been down a path i'm going to get my own path like why would i repeat paths like that's I, I I love it man i appreciate you um sharing
1: that absolutely thank you for you know, giving me the space to, to share i feel like
0: Oh man, Emmanuel! Whatever you're feeling at 3:17, you froze up on me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I. I can't like excited is not the word. I only energize the word. Like I'm, like ascending is definitely, definitely good.
0: Dude, love it. Love to empower people. Well, man, because uh, I do have to be a responsible adult tomorrow. And let, <laughs> Actually, let me, and you don't have to rush through it, but I do a stupid segment to end my podcasts. All right? Okay. Um, and you can take it in any direction you want. I don't know if it's as poetic as your poem, but I tried to be somewhat poetic with the segment. And I'm actually interested, take a risk, interpret it how you want. Okay. Can I get your best first for last? <sighs> We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile.
1: Follow your heart. You won't regret it.
0: That is so fucking stoic. (laughs) Tell me about that. Why did that come into your head?
1: It's... Remember earlier on where you said, you know, your, your role as... A um a reading specialist is to be, um like the guide when somebody's bowling. You're like the guide that that keep that ball from slipping into into the gutter.
0: Yeah, right. Gutter
1: guards, bumpers. I'm pretty sure. Like, well, something something I've learned when, when mentoring is, um, and even in conversations is people experience that that eudaimonic feeling when they can discover or come to your own answer to your own conclusion. And that's like for mentors and for guides, and maybe you've even seen it as a parent, um, instead of giving the answer away, like being a guide to help somebody find their own answer is so much more rewarding. Cause now it's like mm-hmm. that person that you're helping them finding the answer for themselves is so rewarding for them. And whenever, you know, like my, my brother or my sister or my mom or a friend will talk to me about something that they want to do. It's like, well, why aren't you doing it? Or what is it mm. that you want to do? What is your heart telling you to do? I mean, like, if, you, if you can talk about it, be about it. Right. Like li- <laughs> listen, listen intently to what your heart is saying. And yeah. If you can listen intently, your, your heart will tell you that small voice in your head, your gut feeling, your heart. Um, the voice of God, however you want to label it, like, you know exactly what you want to do on the inside. And it's like, I, uh, <laughs> from, uh, from Braveheart, um, uh, when, um, what was his name? Um, was it, was it Marcus? Uh, his, his father that passed, he said, your heart is free. I have the courage to follow it like that. That, that line sent me like my, my hair was standing up when I when I saw the, saw the movie Braveheart last year for the first time, uh-huh. and I was like, man, and he did brave what Mel Gibb did. Like he followed his heart, fought for freedom, and I feel like that's what everybody should do. Just follow, follow your, have the courage to follow your heart. Because you, you won't regret it. You won't regret stepping out on faith because you you're, you become a man arena. Like what are you what are you gonna regret that you went for it? Instead of sitting back, wake up on your deathbed when you're ninety nine and be like, Oh man, I wish I would have done X, y, Z. I don't think I've ever met anybody who's regretted following your heart and going after your dreams, because you're gonna transform as a person, you're gonna learn something from it. And I think that's like part of a journey. And yeah.
0: So is that is that where you're at right now, following your heart to not regret it with the writing? So Absolutely. did you have a day? So again, and I don't mean to be like super dramatic and it might not be for no, you, but was there like a specific moment or like an anecdote where you were like, yeah, fuck this. Um, I'm out.
1: Yes. Uh, so January, right. I'm pretty sure everybody had COVID. Around January. <laughs> it's like that next week I'm coming back to work virtually. And, um, I'm, I'm sick as a dog and I'll never forget. It was, it was a Wednesday. I'd already called out. I called out. I, we didn't, we didn't work on Monday. I called out Tuesday. I'm coming back to work on Wednesday. I'm talking to, um, uh, one of my side mentors at work and she's talking to me about, about, you know, what we did over the holiday or whatnot. I, and I started talking about, um, I think I started talking about my, my book and my startup idea. And as I'm sitting in my bed sick, as I'm talking about it, I can feel myself like coming back to life. Like I'm revived, like I'm speaking, like, and my my voice is getting clearer. My nasal passages starts clearing up. Like I can, I think I feel my, like when my ear, like when my um eardrum starts to pop and open up, like there's power coming from my voice. And I'm like, yo, did I just, what just happened? I'm like, yo, like, my purpose, my heart is literally bringing me back to life. But what, and it's like, wow, like, damn. <laughs> like, that, that was easy. But then when we started talking about work and stuff, oh. I'm like, wow, man, damn. Like, ah, oh, shit. Like, I'm, I'm slowly, like, just descending. It's a wave. And I'm like, Man. I've got to take the leap of faith. And that, that same Wednesday, I talked about my two weeks and whatnot. That, that later that day, like at the 6 PM, I just wrote it up. I submitted it, sent it to my boss the next day. he's like,
0: can I pause you? Cause I feel like you transitioned through that setting too quickly. (laughs) Like I, it's for me being in Southern Delaware, turning into two week and you're talking about quitting from Microsoft, right? Yes, sir. Like that's like, that seems like a pretty big fucking deal. And I don't know how serious or how much like time, how much regret, how much, ah, I'm not going to click send went into that moment. Or was it that easy for you that you were just that steadfast? The words just flowed and you were able to get through the message and click send. I just wanted to like get a better idea of that moment.
1: Absolutely. I had been, Thinking about it it's such a long time. I've been talking about it with um, uh, with my mentor and his fiance, and I um, I had been discussing it. Like close friends, I'll talk to it about it. A couple people at work, I talked to about it. Um, was just very careful, you know, just kind of like hinting to it. That mm-hmm. I was like looking for a change of scenery and wanting to do something else. But in my head, it was like, how much longer am I going to like chase the plan D? to get to plan C, to get to plan B, to get to plan A. Why not just attack plan A directly in different scenarios? And then once I had, you know, breakfast with Corey, he was like, you have the balls to do it. It was like, okay, there's no more scenarios. There's no more, like, like different ways this can go. I just got to see what I'm made of and just do it. Cause I'll never know the answer. unless so why I follow my heart. And then that conversation
0: led to the submission of the letter.
1: Yep, that, that that submission letter. And me coming back, feeling myself come back to life, just talking about what I wanted to yeah, do. I yeah. was like, I gotta do this. It's clear to me now that this is, I have to do this.
0: Dude, how many people feel burdened? Like people ask me, so I'm, um, I think I've taught for 15 or 16 years, and I feel like I still got some like good energy to me. Like, I feel like I, I wake up, like I feel blessed. I feel fortunate that I'm a teacher and I look forward to it. And I had a kid who actually was, um, (laughs) he wanted to maybe coach next season, who was one that was like a student when I was there. And he was like, damn dude, he's like, you've been doing this 16 years. You're on the downside. And I was like, I don't feel like I'm on the downside. I feel like I'm still like on the grind. Like, I feel like I'm still going. And it made me realize like so many people feel that weight, like their job is a weight. It's an elephant sitting on their chest. It's depression. And man, can you imagine For not only 40 hours of your week, but you go to bed with what's your wake up? Sadness, unfulfillment, lack of hope, no creative outlet. Oh God. Like, I mean, and it's day after day and now month after month, like year after... When you were talking about plan D to plan C to plan B to plan A, like, shoot, but I feel like so many people feel that way and it's hard to not only have the means to do it, but have the fortitude, the guts to like, be like, yeah, man, all right, this sucks. I can always go back. I feel like people also underestimate, like, you can go back to suck, (laughs) <laughs> like, you can like. There's plenty of people who don't want to deal with suck, so there's always an opening at suck. And if it sucks, like you can get back there. But why not try to get out of it and just see, man? Like I feel that super. I feel like that's one percenter mentality. That's pretty fucking rare.
1: And I knew deep inside too. I knew like if I was gonna write this novel and write about this protagonist who who lives in this dystopian society where you know curiosity and innovation are both banned and, and you know, he's starting to become around who he hangs around and he has to break out of his prison. But the only way he could do it is like through using his mind and like that, that self invention. It was like, well, how can I leap? How can I talk about the leap of faith in my book? If I don't have the guts to do it for myself, mm. how can I talk about entering the unknown and fulfilling your dreams And the unknown is where you fulfill your dreams. If, I can't answer it for myself. I, I can't respect somebody who talks about doing pushups and doesn't do them. I can't talk. Right. I can't respect that. But I can't respect somebody who's lived that and they've written and shared their story. And I feel like if I'm it's just becoming more accustomed to energy and intentions coming through different conversations, it's like I could, like you can feel when somebody's like talking and bullshitting versus they actually live it. If I want to tell this story to the best of my ability, I have to live this and go out into the unknown and and come back with that elixir or come back with that lesson and I'll tell that story. And it's like being in the arena, like it's like it's playing out in parallels. Like my life and this, this story are both playing out in parallels. Like if I want to really, if I want to write it and really express those feelings and what it's like to, take that leap of faith. I got to go through it for myself.
0: How are you going to know to make it personal? How are you going to know to make it interesting? How are you going to know to make a character that that's the hardest part? You could read about it all you want to, but like that's empathy versus sympathy from what I understand. Like sympathy is like, I've gone through it. Empathy is I can understand what you've gone through though. I haven't, you know, it's a huge difference. Dude. was, Was there any brushback from you quitting? Or were they just like, hey man, turn your, you can mail in your key cards and uh, have a good life. <laughs> like here's a card, thank you for your service. Here's like, what the fuck was that like?
1: I did feel a bit, um, it did feel a bit weird cause I guess my, my boss at the time was like very questionable. Like, hey, you know, where, where are you going? Mm. I'm not going anywhere. I'm, work, I'm working for myself, like I'm not going to any company. Like I'm starting my own startup like, was a startup, and I guess he was very concerned about, you know, conflict interests makes sense. Oh, it's a big tech company. Yeah. Like, if I was on, like, Amazon or, or Google or whatever, so that, that makes sense from that perspective. But then, he did something I didn't expect. He was like, your last day can be tomorrow. And I was like, oh, shit. Wow. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, this is what I asked for. Let's let's do it.
0: Dude, that's that's eerie. Like, that's that's when the you're walking towards the cliff and then all of a sudden there's fog yep. and you don't realize like your next step is the step.
1: Absolutely. Dang, dude. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was wild. And I had some, some other crazy messages from some other coworkers that were like, where are you going to like, you leaving to go where to do what? And I just told them like, I'm writing a novel and starting a startup. Like it was, Think what I'm doing, and it's just copy paste, copy paste, copy paste. As some people call me, as some people like text me and, and email me and ping me, and it is like wow, like you're really doing this. And, but there was, there was more love and support than there was blowback for sure. And I think Microsoft, being a progressive company that it is, really values that growth mindset. And um, there, there was a lot of love and support. And I, for me, it's like I was nice it was nice to receive that, but, and now it's, it's time for me to get in the arena when all the lights are off or just me and, you know, me and, in my craft. And I don't want any more externalized. Like, I'm just going to see what I'm made of.
0: Dude. That's awesome, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't have the balls to quit my job and do a podcast, but I really wonder like, that's the whole burn your ships, right? There's, there's no going back. and, you don't know what you can become until you have no options but to go forward.
1: Like, that's, that's a that's a mantra right there.
0: Yeah, no doubt, right? Like, I mean, and dude, it's it's awesome to meet people that, and it have not only figured out not only figured out their passion, but figured out and planned and plotted a means to allow their passion to have the time. Cause that like you writing a fucking novel to, won't happen in a week. It's not like you could take like five sick days and call it, right. you know? So dude, that, that's, that's super cool that you're pursuing the passions, man. Thank you. Um, dude, Emmanuel, you. I'm so glad that you accepted the DM and that you uh, didn't think it was a phishing scheme and that you, uh, came on. <laughs> I, I really did not plan on fucking, I've just looked at the time like three and a half hours, man. And it's it, it just talking shit. Like honestly, and like talking ideas, man, has been so enjoyable. Thank you so much for letting people come on and get to know you, man. I really appreciate your time. And do you have a title for the novel? Anything it's called Inventus. Uh, Inventus. Yes, Sir, dude, I like that. What's the, and I guess that'll be the last thing. I, I won't keep you on for forever. Um, what's the inspiration behind Inventus? Oh,
1: inspiration. That's, that's a good one. Oh, jeepers. <laughs> um dang because i feel like i'll get like to a whole tangent again but what i will say is um inventus follows the story of, of a young man who's trying to find his purpose in in life where curiosity is forbidden and where inventions are deemed taboo and illegal um and along the way uh, he learns about the secrets of the Celestial Tablet, which foretells the strongest force in the universe, joins Zenith as um, he, he dies into the unknown, as he takes a leap of faith into the unknown and uh, gets to discover what that force truly is.
0: All I know is if this fucking book has an audio book, you better be the reader, man.
1: I got you. Dude, got
0: like you. the the way you just read that, I'm like, yeah, I want some characters. I want some first-person narration. I want I want the character to sound like you, dude. I want the fucking protagonist to have your voice of um I don't know, man. The way the celestial tablet fucking rolled off. I'm like, yo I want to go for a long jog and listen to that story. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's cool because you can read it with the passion and the inflection with which you wrote it. Where if someone else is reading it, I don't know if that comes across, man.
1: Yeah, I, I've I've even like just how Sylvester Stallone starred as Rocky and he wrote the script That's for it. That's
0: what people don't realize. Like he fucking wrote that. Like you think of script. him as a stupid ass meathead actor. He's like, dude, he wrote a fucking book. He has a statue of a fictional character in a city <laughs> that he fucking made up. He never beat anybody, he's O and O. And like, he he made he manifested that from his mind.
1: Sure did. Like, he, dude. He was broke, like to his last dollar to sell his dog. And then right when he sold the script, like he went and bought his dog back. Like, I can't imagine selling my dog to make rent or make ends Yeah. He, like that, that would break my soul into two. But that, and that same dog, Buck is starred in his film in, in the first Rocky movie.
0: Oh, is that why he had the dog in there? I didn't know that you know,
1: part. Oh yeah. shit! Okay. So yeah, I, 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 plans like I want to turn this novel into, into, um, it's, it's crazy as I'm writing it. Like I have the sequel, already. Like I, I, idealize and like I want to turn this into a movie. Like I look up this is. Dan Collins and hashing with the Hunger Games in turns into the franchise. Like, it's my, my hope and dream to do the same thing. Dude, It it's the dystopian
0: stuff that you can influence kids with, hopefully in a positive way, right? Like, I, I feel like right. society has some, like, universal messages about, like, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Like, I feel like America believes in check and balances, that type of shit. I think they also believe in individuality, empowerment, um don't like don't be a dick to other people just to be a dick <laughs> like some real basic <laughs> tenets of life i feel like our society has gone to and if you can hit on it man um it, it it'll go cuz there's there's thirst out there for those kind of stories you know dude i'm so geek that now i get to be a part Hello. of your like social media life man um i'm so happy to again have you on and um thank you so much for taking the time man i appreciate it
1: I appreciate this. It's, uh, um, this is revitalizing for me. And like, I think I've been searching for It's just to reconfirm the things that I believe in and, and just press on full steam ahead. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having
0: me. Yeah, no problem, man. On the subject I like Oops. getting to know Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search up Andre Psyche on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it. Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know today's guest or just want to support this upstart podcast, go to our Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, your donation will help with all the costs associated with producing the Getting to Know You pod. Don't forget the three free ways to support the pod. One, subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, three, go to Apple, write a review. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. If you're interested, just message us. See you.